Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. From Asthma Core Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's Unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Unregimented number 215. I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rich. I don't Boy. think I've ever been so relieved that Congress is going to just be a stalemate for the next few months. But, yeah. hey. <laughs> uh, country showing some signs of sanity down in Alabama yesterday. Well, yeah, I, I was uh, two I, or three days ago. I was watching the the results live, and I don't know. This is this is an insane race. This was a nail biter. If you're following it live, I mean, it was which is insane. About, Bouncing back and forth between half percentage points of like Doug Jones is down half and that, then Roy Moore nudges up ha- another half percentage point. I mean, luckily the, the margin got over a half percentage point or else we'd definitely be looking at a, a recount and we a still wouldn't have an answer. was part of this race and it was a nail biter. Well, I mean, consider the this. What is going on? It was... <laughs> Roy Moore didn't think there was any chance that he could lose. Once he get, got the Republican nomination for that seat, I mean, this is an area where a lot of times Democrats just don't even bother running because the Republicans are cleaning up with 70-plus percentage of the vote. Yeah, kind of the, like the, the, the mayoral race in Detroit. What Republican candidate can we remember running that had a shot? Yeah, uh, Wasn't they, Tom Barrow a Republican? Uh, I can't. I don't even remember who the fuck he. I don't even know who the fuck you are. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I don't remember who he is. To be honest with you, I know that they'll they'll, they'll run <clears throat> they'll run multiple candidates uh, from the Democrats. But but also you gotta you gotta remember, Chris, when you say like, how is it this close? The guy's a fucking pedophile. Blah blah blah. Whatever, man. Hey, we live. In a part of the country where it's just like abortion is just accepted, right? And even people who are pro pro birth tend to tend to be like, eh, well, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the aborted fetus. And that's right. just all there is to it. You go down south, that shit that does not play with a lot of people. That is that is murder. Mm-hmm. That is you might as well drag you might as well go in and Menendez both your parents. If you had an if you if you, if you were party to or or perform abortions, that sure, is they consider you a murderer. Period. The dog don't it's, hunt. It's not a joke there? to consider that even if Roy Moore was touching kids, at least he was loving them and not murdering them like some Democrats. Like that is their I, mindset. I wow. on on an AP that, story on him on him losing some one of his supporters posted, congratulations Alabama. You you rather have someone who would kill children than show affection to them. He posted that <laughs> on an Associated Press link. <laughs> yeah, God damn. Well, you know, wow. NPR was fascinated with this story and was trying to figure out how can how can there still be support for Roy Moore in Alabama? And you know, they would they did stories where they'd go down and talk to Alabamians 
Is that what it is? Alabamian? Sure. And, yeah. and <laughs> I Alabama mean, this is, this is my short version of how the interview went. How can you still support uh, Judge Roy Moore? Well, the other guy's uh, for abortion, so it's no contest. And then they go, well, there you go, folks. Uh, we still have no idea how these people can still support them. Like, they're flat out say, uh, listing abortion as the top issue for why they're vo- they're, they've always voted Republican. And yep. and we're still looking around for answers. Like there's because I think because to the rest of the nation, it just doesn't make sense. Well, there's yeah. also it's it's also just the fact that I mean <clears throat> the 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 religious people, the Christians down south, are a breed of their own. And until you've lived with them, dealt with them. Whether they're you know they're family members or you dated a girl and her family was you know a bunch of Southern Christians, you don't understand that shit is so serious to them. I mean that is it, it is it is the single deciding factor in all their politics, and I, maybe that's why I have such a disdain for it. And I consider like the the more deeply religious someone is, the more mentally ill they are, because. I don't know how else to describe it. And to me, calling them mentally ill is being as polite as it's going to get. Because otherwise, they're just fucked up people. I mean, and, and they use this, you know, whatever religion they call themselves, First Baptist, Southern Baptist, doesn't matter. You know, and they use it as an excuse to basically, you know, hey, I'm going to vote this way. I don't care if this means these people get fucked over or these people's rights are taken away. It doesn't matter to me. This person said he's a Christian. Right. And I mean, it's also funny, something I've noticed down south is any Republican that stands up, I don't care if he's gotten caught fucking men, fucking children, smoking fucking meth while doing all that. If, he, if a Republican stands up and says, I'm a Christian, it is unanimously believed it goes unchallenged with his supporters, even undecided voters or independents. Yet if a Democrat stands up and says, I'm a Christian, they start trying their, their best to poke holes. Really? You're a Christian? Well, you you were out campaigning this one Sunday. You weren't in church. That's not what Christians do. Yeah, all of a sudden they get out the yardstick and find out how Christian. Exactly. Where, where before, I mean, there's others that can just use it as a general shield. Of even if I behaved badly, I'm a Christian at my core. So I'm just when I was behaving badly, I was just a lapsed Christian, and now I'm coming back into the fold, back yes. under the protection of this this reality that we've made for ourselves. Where, I, I think that where people perform abortions are, are lower on the societal rung than pedophiles. Well, I think that's why when I was younger, I was so fascinated by. I was fascinated by um, like Catholicism because, yeah, I was born here in Michigan, but I, you know, raised and spent a whole a lot of time all over the country, but d- never really ran into any Catholics. So all my experience with religion was like the damn near, like insanely devout types. And then I, I started meeting, you know, like a lot more Catholics and, and stuff like that. And it was just like, wow, you guys have just kind of a, yeah, I go to church on the major holidays and, you know, I, I go to confession, you know, a couple times a year. And, 
you know, that's, that's it. I don't, you know, that's about it. And I'm like, wow, that's really, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't color every single thing of your life. Right. And you they didn't were like, realize oh. it didn't have to be an all or nothing proposition. Well, on top of that, I just also didn't realize that there were religious were religious people who like this is another thing. It, it the religion that, that most of my family comes from, like drinking, even in moderation, is seen as nope. That's a no go. And there's certain parts of my family where women aren't allowed to wear pants, slacks, shorts. It's always got to be skirts. It always has to be somewhere, you know like mid-shin down, no makeup, no dancing, all that good shit. And so it was weird for me to see Christians, and I'm like... What's wrong oh. with traditional values? That's, that, okay, if you want those type of values, move to Pennsylvania, help a bunch of guys with beards and no mustaches fucking frame a house and name your kids Ezekiel. Or fucking right? move to the Middle East, and once you get accustomed to the language, then I think you'll adjust quite fine. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's amazing how much, yeah, they hate Muslims, but boy, you guys do love to live by the same book of fairy tales, don't you? Mm-hmm. You got a lot of the same weird ideas about women from the, these stories. Wonder how that happened. Well, Damn you the know, beards. I think that the religion and the central religious political uh, idea of abortion played very strongly in this election. And on top of that, I don't know if there's much proof that these allegations of hitting on teenagers actually hurt him. You know, it, it, it's difficult to say, you know, what hurt Roy Moore here is flat-out turnout. And... Allegations? The more, the senior, Bitch, you got kicked out of the mall! Well, I mean, you could look at the idea that if uh, there were 22,000 write-in votes, right, after the senior sitting senator in Alabama said that he could no longer support Roy Moore, where he suddenly found his conscience the day before the election, he said that he, although that didn't mean that he could vote for a sinner like Doug Jones, but he would just write in the name of his favorite Republican. Like, I don't know. <laughs> what, I don't know what the point of that is. You might as well write, write Ronald Reagan. Nixon got 10,000 votes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there ended up being 22,000 write-in votes, and that could have possibly, if all those write-in votes were Roy Moore votes, Roy Moore could have won this. Oh, oh, easily. But, so, I mean, maybe when it came to the tipping point of which way this election is going to go, Maybe that's where the accusations uh, actually played a part in this. But prior to being denounced by the senior senator in his state, there were a lot of people who were coming out to support, and Roy Moore was running on this, that you know these were outsiders coming in to tell us how, how to live our lives. And he was fundraising off of these allegations. So he could have actually had more turnout because of of these allegations of uh of of being a uh, I don't know I know we say child molester loosely but but I don't as much as we've talked about this I don't like to get loosey goosey with these terms I well I, I, mean, I didn't hear any stories it. about him fucking a kid so I'm not going to say child molester pedophile goes in the same bucket um, I, I mean it's I'm good for you 
32-14, you're a pedophile in my book. <laughs> no, Sorry. Actually, I mean, no, I hear you. His behavior does say pedophile. But if we're going to follow our own rules by this and, and, and naming something means something, if, there's gonna, if there needs to be a difference between you know, an unwanted sexual advance and rape, I think there needs to be a difference drawn between hitting on a young girl and having sex with a young girl. Well, it's the it's the whole of a certain age thing, though that that gets me because it's just like Michael Jackson, you know. It's the 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 ages didn't didn't fluctuate wildly. It was all the same to me. That's that's what 12. makes it predatory when it's all this, you know. Coincidence right, he didn't all the same age. I mean, eh. right, he he didn't like fall you're, deeply you're in, in love with some crazy like love at first sight, and the, this person just happened to be a teenager. There's clearly a group that he was pursuing. Like his behavior is that of a pedophile. I mean, this is this is something to that say I, that I he was think. a child molester. I mean, there's been no proof <clears> of that. So let's just call it what it is. I guess I'm not trying to defend anybody's actions here. But let's just have clarity in language is my hope. I think I think something that hasn't been done, not that I think it would do much good with, with, the, with the true believers, the Kool-Aid drinkers who were in Moore's camp, but it might, even if it gets 10% of his supporters to go, wait a minute, and rethink the thing, the, the, their stance, it should have been done. Is that, because yeah, I've noticed NPR's, massively obsessed with that was and still is mm-hmm. because it's just been today it's been article after article about who helped him win and i'll get to that in a second but i think npr should have sent a reporter down there sat down with his supporters and said let me ask you a question and make sure they're all in their late late 30s and older go okay so you, when you were 32 what where would you go at 32 to meet 14 year old girls or boys for romantic, right. you know, interest. What, what, what? How would you run across a fourteen-year-old at thirty-two years old? Now I just. But no, 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 no. Bull, I mean, I get, I get it. But you know, damn the jokes for a second. Dead serious. Where the fuck do you run into fucking fourteen-year-olds at thirty-two, right. unless you're looking? For fourteen-year-olds, right. I was thirty-two. And, and alone, I didn't want any not, teenagers around me. <laughs> Right. It's not like you you have teenage kids that you're taking to the mall or, or someplace. Like you're well, just lone wolfing it <laughs> out for teenagers. Well, you know, I but you couldn't even break through that because what a, a lot of defense that I heard of Roy Moore leading up to the election was, well, this is a man who has had a long political career that is free of controversy, and then all of a sudden, right before this major election that could have nationwide implications, now all of a sudden all these accusations come out of nowhere. And that's what they choose to believe and use as a reason for why these allegations must be false. This is a man who... Oh, he's a martyr. Look, for persecuting he had, him. He had he had no he had no controversy in his in his political re- career prior to this. No scandal. I'm like, wow, you guys really haven't been paying attention. Like, I don't. He can't go to two Alabama. malls. I'd call that a well, scandal. <laughs> well, that's a 
Well, sure, but even before any of this shit came out, this is a man who was removed from his job as a judge twice. This is this is the guy who wanted the Ten Commandments on, on the courthouse lawn. This is this is a, a man who said that women shouldn't hold jobs. Well, but hey, no, you know, not he's not anti. He can't be. He's not anti-Semitic, though. He's proven that because his lawyer's a Jew. Did you hear that one? <laughs> like they actually, his wife can't. To all these people who are saying that we're against Jews, well, let me just tell you. Like she literally said, "I can't be racist. I have a black friend." I talked with my my one Jew friend, right. and this is what he said. Do you realize the rest of the nation uses that as a joke, right? It's like Earl's about people like you. It's like Earl's like, uh, panel of basketball experts. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's what I was thinking. Well, you know, one thing I, oh, I right. will say, yeah, it, or like a person who's like, I can't be racist, man. I love black people, and then just list off like every sports figure that they admire. Yeah, like what and rapper. I, Man, I, I even went. I, I love Eddie Murphy. I even went and saw that shitty haunted house movie the day it came out. Man, I'm not racist. Can't be racist. Yeah. I had sex with a black chick. <laughs> <That's right>. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm not anti-clown. I have a court jester. <laughs> but no, one of the things that that I've been saying for years, as far as the, the American political system, is that the South holds this country hostage when it comes to politics, especially. When it comes to the presidential election, and this and they do it election- all behind this this faith. Oh God, it just makes me want to smack them. Oh, their and- faith. But as a Christian, I have superior morals than you. I'm sorry to interrupt. I, it just makes me really mad. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. But, but you're this right. Election, this this election does give me some hope. And as NPR has, I'm sure, multiple people in charge of their Facebook account has have tripped over themselves and broken bones to post that it was black women who came out to vote in record numbers is the reason Roy Moore didn't win. Exactly. You can't let that. This is, this is this. That's what I've been saying for decades. Now this, the people in the South got to stop with the old boy network holding this country hostage and holding their areas of the country hostage. And the only way that happens, well, there's more than one way, but in polite society, the way they stop that from happening is to go out and vote. And when this happens, the results, they'll be close because that's how divided almost straight down the middle. We are as a country right now, it'll be close, but it's, it, it wouldn't have been even, it would have been a landslide victory for him if half of the black women who showed up to vote didn't show up to vote. Yeah, the yeah, same the, way that uh, you, you, you can't say you can't that necessarily pedophilia, this uh, accusations of, uh, let's call it being a creep. Creeping on teenagers didn't necessarily affect this election because the same, the same way that 22,000 votes could have uh, you know been instead of being write-ins, could have went to Roy Moore, we could have lost equal number of votes for Doug Jones just because of rain or bad traffic. You know, it, or, or just you know the good old versions of, of voter suppression, which is like, uh, I know this is a 
heavy, heavily populous district that we're in, but we only have one voting machine. And we're going to check. We need to uh, require uh, two pieces of ID now for everybody in line and make the process take twice as long for everybody. I mean, these are just good old-fashioned versions of voter suppression. It, it could have so easily went the other way, but it was because this whole thing was elevated at a, at a nationwide level and got so much attention that voter turnout across the board was really high. There were people who wanted to speak out in defense of, of Roy Moore and people who wanted to condemn Roy Moore. It's kind of funny how Doug Jones fits into all of this. <laughs> because I, I don't know if that any of these votes were... I'm really passionate about Doug Jones. Is it, it was, the reason I'm really, I'm so really passionate about anti-Roy Moore. Is it the reason you think it got so much attention, though, is that isn't this part of shifting the balance in Congress? Isn't Congress now split down the middle? Well, certainly. This? I mean, this, this would have had just as much attention around it if, it, if there weren't some sort of uh, sexual scandal to it as well. Because this is an important election. This is a Republican stronghold. And people want to look at that as a barometer for what is going to happen next year. And I, I think rightly so. I mean... Well, that's the thing, man. We if you can hope. Learn from this. Didn't, well, I think I mean, Charles Barkley came out and said some crazy shit about, like, all right, learn from this, everybody. Do this again thing. next year. Right. And the, the, the difference here is that, you know, we, we wouldn't have Trump, I think, if, if Hillary Clinton gave black people a better reason to get out and vote for her. Other than, why wouldn't they support me? I'm a Clinton. Well, wait a minute, dude. She carries her own hot sauce in her purse. No, 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 no. Fuck all that. She did the nay-nay on Ellen. (laughs) What more do these Negroes need to vote for this one? I think she even dabbed on him at the end of it. I mean, she she put the exclamation point on there, all right? I mean, no, I... Here's well, okay. The election's over. Yeah, and I, I, I just want to say this for everybody who's a Democrat who's listening. I mean, I'm talking like you, you vote the party ticket or whatever, vote the party line. Um, please stop acting like Trump supporters the day after the fucking presidential election, 2016. Yeah, right, you guys are fucking assholes of okay he wanted a recall he lost by one and a half percent in alabama at at, at 0.5 of a percentage point the recall is triggered automatically right he wanted a recall because it was so close uh i seem to remember a whole lot of hillary supporters and democrats and just anti-trump people screaming for for a recount yeah, mm-hmm. it's a lot of hot recount talk about a year ago. In the national, yeah, in the national election, and Jill Stein was suing people, and all the Trump supporters were saying, "Shut up, fucking snowflakes! You lost. Get over it." And you rightfully called them out and said, "What you got? You guys can't even win gracefully." And now you won one seat in Congress, and you're gonna fucking go on social media. And you're going to seek out fucking 
people who are pissed off that their candidate lost, and you're going to rub it in their face, helping or hurting. Just ask yourself that question before you hit the fucking post button. Helping or hurting. Did you see, though, the footage of, of his rally, though, too? Like, calm down, everybody. Like, what are you this, talking about the, from Roy Moore Doug supporters? Jones. Oh, from like, Doug Jones? Like Jesus showed back up and he picked that spot and right. everyone's going home with a free car. That's what I'm saying. And he was basking in it and I'm like, dude, it's not you. Like, the, like, the nation's going to move on. You're not probably going to survive election in 2018. So let's just enjoy this for what it seems to be. I mean, the cold shower of the situation is this now like deadlocks Congress. I mean, they weren't getting anything done anyway, but. Right. You know, unless all of a sudden people on both sides are going to start actually working with each other, which they're not because it's about winning, which we've said over and over again. And that's apparently how we how we are We're like a nation of fucking toddlers mentally. But so unless there's some some olive branches going out from either side. It's just going to be more of nothing getting done, and you know it's it's running out the clock till next November, isn't it? Yeah, and the problem, the the real problem I have is it's not even about I expect more from the left than I do the right. It's about I just keep flashing back to two thousand four, and all, all these fucking Bush haters who went online into into forums before they were you know i mean because basically all facebook is is one big internet forum that's really all it is twitter i guess now that they've doubled the character limit i mean you know but you get what i'm saying and it's just and i'm like why are you pissing people off why are you doing this why are you fucking with people about who they're going to vote for okay a guy says i'm a bush supporter in 2004 you don't want him to vote for bush He's a lost cause. Move on. State your case for why he, someone should vote for Kerry and not Bush instead of attacking anyone who might be thinking about voting for Bush. Because human nature, and we've proved it since the, the, the first one of us crawled out of whatever fucking primordial sludge we crawled out of, is if someone tries to force you to do something... You say fuck them and dig your heels in and go do the exact opposite. And is it a good trait? Is it a good trait in human beings? No, but it's the reality of human nature. Not every human, but a lot of us. I would say the I would say the majority, and basing that on over fifty percent. And if you really want change, you really want progress, you really want candidates in there that represent you then you need to put your bullshit foolish pride aside and your gloating and your ha-ha, na-na-na-na-boo-boo bullshit and identify who you can fucking maybe talk to, write off those you can't, and stump for the person you want. If you took ha- if, if, if the people I saw online today rubbing it into anybody's face that they could find took half the energy they did rubbing it in people's faces into getting a candidate they want elected elected they probably have more success than they do and on top of it you just come off as just as petty and you let's be honest the left left loves to act like they have some sort of fucking superior social justice higher you know moral high ground over the right 
Replacing and yet, Jesus with smugness somehow is way worse. Ex- ex- it's it's the ex- sort of Jesus, exactly. you could write him off as nutballs. It's, it's the exact smugness, same thing. It's just douchey. Right. Well, there's a there's a lot of condemnation out on online today, too, over the fact that putting aside that, you know, they moved 25 plus percentage points from Republican Party to the Democratic side and flipped a stronghold state, people were outraged over the fact that Roy Moore almost got elected, that this was a squeaker, even though this guy is a disgusting person. Look, this shit's that shit's got to like, stop. Right. It, it, it's first of all, it's not in line with reality. Like, if you don't see what happened in this election as some sort of progress, then what the fuck are you fighting for? I mean, this should be celebrated, but just like any win should be celebrated gracefully. But this, but this, this, this hand wringing, and this. Well, that's nice, but what about? It's it that shit's got to stop. I mean, if if the if the if the Democrats and the left want to win, they have to start fucking. They, they excuse me. They have to stop this bullshit of okay, but what about? Okay, but what about? Okay, but what about? That doesn't. When the right does it, we all roll our eyes and go, "Oh God, here." I mean, it's it's like your drunk uncle at Thanksgiving. Oh, he's drunk again. Oh boy. And you just roll your eyes and like just do your best to ignore them. That's how I feel about the Republican Party for the most part. The Democrats, I, 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 eh, I kind of feel that way about a lot of them. But it's like, aren't you supposed to be better? Isn't this isn't this the whole thing it, it, that you're more enlightened, I that think, you're more progressive? Isn't yeah. isn't that is? I mean, not our thing, not the way we view them. Isn't that the way they're supposed to? Isn't it the way they view themselves? I think the and only he, what about that I want to hear is what about the next issue? Two thousand. Like, what, what about two thousand eighteen? That's what I wanted. Right. Right. Uh, you, you know who we need? You know who the Democratic Party needs? It needs Bill Belichick. <laughs> and Aaron, he's the he's the he's the the coach of the the Patriots in football. And they won the Super Bowl. The next day, they asked him. How you feel about winning the Super Bowl? And he said, it feels great, but you know what? We need to stop celebrating because we're already one day late to winning our next one. Bam. Bam. That's the type of motherfucking leader the Democratic Party needs. Enjoy victory night. Drink. Take your aspirin before you go to bed. Drink a glass of water. That way you're not too hungover because we got work to do tomorrow. Instead, it's, it's because, and I feel a lot of this is because Trump has done it taken multiple victory laps, even post-election. I mean, don't you remember his victory tour between his election and his his being uh, swore in? I mean, we all were like, oh, God. That left me, like, wanting to bathe in Purell. Like, seriously, dude? Mm -hmm. You won the presidency. Why are you walking around going, but, you know, I I won the presidency. But seriously, just, I I don't have small hands, and I got a big dick. I just Mm -hmm. need you to know that. I'm going to go tell everybody that, dude, you're the president. Everyone's going to lie to you about your dick anyways. Now, that's well, the biggest dick I've ever seen, Mr. President. Most president's uh, penis I've ever seen. On, the, on Tuesday night, watching the election results come in, this is one of the rare times I actually flip on the TV news. And I was bouncing back and forth between MSNBC, CNN, and Fox. And 
it, after they called the election for Doug Jones, there's very different talk going on on each channel, as you can imagine. Uh, MSNBC and CNN were way more of the, well, this is a referendum on Trump and Trump po- Trump's policies and his popularity as a president. And Fox was all, oh, this is a this is Steve Bannon, uh, you know, Steve Bannon basically positioned uh, Roy Moore as his candidate and kind of forced Trump to to support him. But if, but if we had if Trump had his way, you know, we would have had uh, whoever the fuck else who's in the seat now. I forget. Doesn't matter. He's he's going to be out anyway. I say no. It's not. To both of them. Do it. No, it's not what. Uh, just what you said. Oh no, both it's not. A, it's not a referendum, uh, you know, it's a on, referendum Trump. on Trump and his popularity. No, it's not. And what you just said about hey, it's Steve Bannon. No, it's not. Like it's just it's, I mean, it's all the uh, it's all the narrative each side spins. It's. Uh, I think these are all uh, the same way that there's many contributing factors to why this race was so tight. There's not one issue that you could point to and say. This is what tipped the election. I, there's, yeah. you can you can cherry pick your own story out of that, and if you wanted to, look, this is a sign of of possible positive change for the country. I, I think that's a safe bet. That you know the, the line that Fox News kept putting out there was, well, this isn't this has nothing to do with Trump because when you if you were to put Trump policies up for a vote in Alabama. They would win in a landslide, and I think that's a true statement. It's kind. Of, it's outside of you know how how well does polling on these type of subjects work. Uh, that's totally debatable, but I think that's true to say that you know his core policies of building the wall and having some you know faith based uh, government system apparently. Locking her up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. There may be people in Alabama who are seeing Trump as less effective and less <clears throat> useful as he may have looked in in the past. But I don't think that the scales are falling from anyone's eyes. That they're going, wow! I was I've been really racist recently in my in my life and in my voting actions. Uh, maybe I want to dial that back some. I think it's just more people showing up. Well, that's what it is. That's that's exactly what it is, and and every time that we see uh, record turnout, we never hear that followed up with Republican landslide. It just doesn't happen. Record turnout means Democrats win, hands down. Well, no, that's yeah, that's that's the dirty little secret behind so many of the of the the, the stories we've heard about voter fraud. It's always coming from the right. Oh, there's voter fraud, and and we need stricter guidelines and regulations, and and to be able to vote, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, of course you want less people to vote, because it, 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 it historically look at it, it's just what you said, and that's that's something that I don't understand why you okay, Aaron, you're not a political strategist, you're no. not a politician, no, you're not, not a wrong fucking, <laughs> you're 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 not. What, no, no, but what I'm saying is is that. You're not like you don't have some inside information that 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 enlightens you to this fact. So why the fuck doesn't the news report this shit? 
I, I mean, what, yeah, I, I don't know. It's not. It's not a sexy issue. I guess it, it, there, there's stories to tell. Always remember that. Uh, yeah. You know, I I know it's a, it's a, it's a it's a tired it's a tired cliched trope. Oh, cliched trope is like redundant, but whatever. <laughs> but it, but it really, it, man. Telling you that trope is cliched. <laughs> I, boy, I just uh, I, I just ejaculated irony all over that statement. Didn't even mean to. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it, the, no, the news is there to fucking divide and conquer, man. Come on. It's just there to fucking stir up. What's what's some hot button issues that are gonna get people pissed off and talking? Because yeah. stories that make us complacent or happy, yeah, they put them at the end of the newscast. You know, man saves dog, and you know, hey, we're gonna send you off feeling good after telling you everything is wrong with the world and how you're being fucked over and how brown people are trying to steal everything from you and then you know, you know all this bullshit that they, they, they just constant nonsense. That's what the news wants to report on. I'm talking journalism. That's what I was. That's what. That's the word I was looking for. I was like, "You're not a journalist. It's not like you're Woodward or Bernstein. Where Wait. are the Where are the journalists these days? I'm talking the, the motherfuckers Dad. who get into the trenches, the stud, the studs, turkles, the fucking, the, the, you know. Well, I mean, Matt Taibbi a- does a good job, but he's he's obviously slanted to one side. Plus, he molests women. Matt, oh, he got accused. <laughs> oh yeah, did he get accused? Oh, no, fuck. I didn't even know that. No, I think it was bullshit. Anyway, uh, it, it was a journalist, though, that had my favorite tweet uh, post-election night on Tuesday, which was, this is, uh, I'm, I apologize, I don't know how to exactly pronounce his first name. It's Nikhil, maybe? N-I-K-H-I-L? Nikhil Goyal. His tweet was, All Democrats need to ca- campaign on the Second Voting Rights Act. Automatic voter registration, restoring voter rights for ex-felons, repeal of voter ID laws, nonpartisan redistricting commissions, and making Election Day a national holiday. And he's he's right on the money. I'm down with all that. We have... I I know that we've grown up with this system, and it just seems like natural to most people. But we have one of the most restrictive voting systems for a supposedly, you know, free democratic society. The only thing that always rubs me the wrong way, I always ask this question every time it comes up, is what is so wrong with showing proof of that you live in that district so you can vote? What is wrong with that? It's to keep, like, what? I mean, what's well, if look, we can't do that, what's to stop you from, I'm going to go vote here, and I'm going to vote over there, and I'm going to go vote over here? Mm-hmm. Like, because okay, hold the, on. Okay, hold. You know, no, they have a list. You can you can show up and go. This is my name and this is my address, and they go. Okay, but, you know, you're on our list now. I could impersonate somebody else and go do you know go vote in their name, but then I'm going to be found out if that person shows up. I can't vote him anywhere else because unless I happen to just find a bunch of uh, IDs from people that live in, in the area and different voting districts that I know aren't going to show up. I mean, yeah. Is it is voter fraud possible and has it happened before and does it do people still attempt it now? Absolutely. It's so minuscule of an issue, it's a non-issue. And to push for anything other than having a voter roll, 
and having somebody show up and say, that's me on the voter roll is But you need ID for so much more, so many more things that don't matter, like that people have no problem with. But when it comes to voting, like we're up in arms. You still need to provide ID to fucking get a, Here's, a okay. fucking video. So, I, nobody okay. had a problem in, in, with that one. Chris, so? in theory, I agree with you. Here's the problem. When it comes to election day, in theory, what we're what what in 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 lip service, we give lip service to this. On election day, the poorest man in the country has the same fucking vote or has the same amount of power to vote as the richest man in the country. All right, that's the theory. The truth is, is that if you start saying, "Well, you need voter IDs," okay, well, what happens to people who? Are homeless, and I don't mean homeless in living under a viaduct. I'm talking people that are couch surfing from friend's house to friend's house. What? Where do they get their fucking mail sent? What if they don't have their voter ID? So you, they just can't vote? I mean, this is—we're not talking about you don't you don't voting you know, is I'm not a talking right. about a voter ID card. I'm just talking about showing ID to prove you're you and you live where you, in the district. Like, <laughs> I don't need another thing to carry around and lose. They've got they've got you on the list. That's how they know. Uh, beyond that, there's no reason for a stricter system. It's when it comes to what should be required of a person to be able to cast their vote in this country. The burden of proof is on anybody who wants to put any type of regulation on that. If you want to say that. That people need to have a valid picture government issued ID in order to cast their vote, then you should be able to show me the statistics that show that people are tipping votes, that there are, there is actual voter fraud that changes elections in this country going on between groups of individuals who are all trying to game the system in some way it just doesn't happen well what was what was the numbers that came up i'll I'll chase this to what end look it doesn't have to be look if you want to buy a car that's fine somebody has to trust you enough to say i'm going to take this multi-thousand dollar vehicle and give you just a couple hundred bucks now and we have an arrangement yeah you have to show fucking id for that because they have to track your ass down if it this isn't no but i'm saying what's next is is Having to prove that you have an address in the district going to be going too far? I could. That seems plausible to me. That someone's going to start chasing that down. What's the What's the pure intent here? Right. It's to make sure that everybody gets one vote and one vote only. So if the system works for that purpose, the system works, and everything else is superfluous. In nations where they can't, people don't have uh, government issued IDs. They don't have a, a, a role of, of voters. What do they do in the fucking Middle East? They just dip their finger in the ink. I was going to say, I mean, why don't we do it, what we do at nightclubs? Get a permanent marker, right. put an X on their hand. What are they? Right. Seriously, who's going to? How many people are going to go? Oh, I got this permanent marker X on my hand. Let me find a bathroom and scrub till I bleed, so I can go vote again. How many people are going to do that? Honestly, enough to tip an election. Well, I think, I think that that would be too loose. (laughs) Well, you know, I personally, and I know many people who have gone to the bathroom and and scrubbed off an X 
or even tried to do a, a, a stamp transfer. <laughs> they had a specific tramp for uh, tramp, a stamp for twenty one and over. People would be like, "Let me lick your hand and then push it on mine and well, see if we can get the stamp onto mine." But anyway, of course. But I mean, no, let's be I, honest: half this country or more doesn't vote, anyways. Right. I mean, well, so the odds of so many people willing to do something, and I mean, obviously, I was being facetious with a permanent marker, but something, something that would be there for twenty-four hours. Right. When, when you're talking about regulating voting rights you're talking about restricting freedom and possibly somebody who should be able to cast a vote not being able to and so again the burden of proof is on you i was proving who you are so i can check your name off the big giant list like red like fucking with somebody's voting rights how is it not that is essentially what proof that you're you so i can mark you off the big list that we have what is wrong with that you say there's a big list nothing wrong with it chris there's nothing wrong with it it, there is nothing empirically wrong with that, and I know that <laughs> that it seems innocuous enough because of all the different transactions that we have in our lives that involve proving who we are. But <laughs> it's I, I don't know how to put this differently. If you want to possibly cause a situation where somebody doesn't get to vote who should, you really have to prove that the issue that you're pushing for voter ID or you know redistricting of of uh, you know gerrymandering of a district or anything like that the burden of proof is on the person who is looking to do the restriction of that freedom and that works for that that's that's how we should handle all of our freedoms we understand that there's restrictions to all the freedoms that we enjoy in some reasonable ways but it's <laughs> I, I, we can I, we can agree to disagree on this one because it's I'm gonna have to show an ID in a few hours to get on an airplane. No one's got a problem with that. Why does that? How does that equate to your vote at all? All you're telling me is that there's there are conventions in your life where you're, you're required to show ID and that it but that's, it should that's just the, and that's that voting thing. should just there's a big and list that voting and, you're and on that it. voting is I just another one of those. So they can make thing check me off on the big that, list does not mean that look you flying on a plane has nothing to do with your voting rights zero show me how those two relate why is i don't understand why verifying that you're you is seen as suppressing voter rights i'll never understand it i guess and we can just agree to disagree and move on because i just i just i don't understand it well then you know what i mean i guess that have you ever had have you ever not had an id because i've been through this have you ever had an experience where, for whatever reason in your life, you don't have a permanent address, you don't mm-hmm. have a valid ID, you can't get a bank account, you can't go into bars? Yeah, I, Aaron. Because this I shit fucking was- happens, and make all your judgments about people however you want. Okay, Aaron, just one sec. Happened to me last year. I don't to this day I don't know what fucking happened to my wallet and I'd had it for 20 years I could not find my wallet my ID everything was in there I went to I went online and I put a hold on my ATM card that's all it would let me do online I went to the bank they said do you have any ID 
I said, no. They said, do you have your ATM card we could swipe? Right. I said, no, I lost it. They said, well, you got to go get your ID. So I went to the DMV, and they said, well, how do we know who you are, You are who you say you are? Yeah, do I you have a credit talking? card or an ATM card in your name? And I said, no, I, I lost I said, I said, lost my entire fucking wallet. And thank God the lady at the, at, the, at the Secretary of State, I keep saying DMV, I forget you guys call it Secretary of State, took pity on me and pulled up my driving record and said, you were convicted of this and on this date. What was it? And I said, oh, shit. The only thing I've been convicted of, obstructing traffic. She goes, okay, fill this out. And I was like, thank you. Because if not, it was it, literally I could not prove who I was. I couldn't mm-hmm. get a hold of my money. I couldn't go to a, go in someplace and ask or you know, go into the DMV and go, hey, I need a replacement. I, I had just moved. I had nothing with my new address on it. So I mean, I I was like I I I, I was I was. It, granted, it would only lasted a couple of days until I got my my first bill at my new at my new place. And I can go look. Here's who I am. Right now, that's proof. But I mean, if she hadn't taken putty on me for four days, I'd have been a non-person as far as unless I had cash. As far as the world went, the world I move well, in, and I mean to to. to Okay, to to I guess to meet halfway between what you guys are saying, mm-hmm. Chris, you want some sort of ID to be shown to prove who you are. Fine, government issue voter IDs. But what's that, well, what what's right, the problem? What's the problem there? The minute no, yeah. it's lost, you're fucked. The minute oh. it's lost, you're fucked. Or and we've we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The more levels of bureaucracy you add the more chance for fuckery to happen. Mm-hmm. And if something gets misprinted, and I had this happen once, I'm the second, I'm not junior, I'm the second, and they printed junior on something, on a legal document, and I signed it the second, and thank God the person crossing the, the T's and dotting the I's said, well, wait a minute, this isn't right. And I said, well, because I didn't even notice that junior is not my, it's not my legal name. Mm-hmm. They said, well, we got to retype this up because this document wouldn't be legal otherwise. But, I mean, that shit happens all the time. So that person doesn't get to, to vote because of some fuckery. I mean, there's the system's or, never going to be flawless. True. But, uh, what if, okay, so what if I asked you, would you support a bill saying that you anyone who wants to cast a vote in this country has to pay $10 to do so? Fuck no. And that's why I said a government okay. issued ID, they're going to have to pay for it. Another layer. Right. So, so I know, like, getting, scraping together $10 to get a current ID is seen as being a responsible adult thing to do, and that's fine. Uh, it should be within the means of anybody in, in this country, it would seem. Even if you're collecting bottles, you can scrape together 10 bucks in a day's work. But to make that a requirement, in order to cast a vote, I don't see the point of that. I mean, to me, the point of voting it's not, is... We're not, it's not an open system where we're just on the honor... Uh, it's not an honor system when it comes to voting. Like I said, we have a role of everybody who in this district who's registered to vote. We do have to register in advance. I mean, even, even that should go away. We should be pre-registered. We've all got social security numbers. The government all knows who we are. I thought all we got to do is all we should have to do is update our update our 
Because well, it's based on, on where you live. I thought here in Michigan, when you got a driver's license or renewed it, they automatically registered you to vote unless that's you requested right. them not to. Yes. Uh, that's fairly recent, but yes. Fairly yeah, I mean, I, dude, that's, it's been since I've been 16, since I've been mm-hmm. driving it. No, there's there's a difference. You can you can register to vote, and you might get a civically minded person at the Secretary of State who asks if you want to, but they were under no requirements to do so. And there are plenty of times where I wasn't asked. Every license I've had, you're automatically registered to vote. It's ever since the, my first driver's license. Mm, well, ever since my no. first one, since I was over eighteen. I no, say. not on. No, not automatically. They may have just assumed and handed you papers to sign but that's because you're such an uh, an upstanding uh looking citizen chris they just assumed you wanted to do your civic (laughs) hey i knew you not that long if you were 16 unless you changed radically you still looked like a regular taxpaying citizen (laughs) like you didn't come in with like an ms13 face tattoo or nothing at 16 so (laughs) Look, no, and and I mean, we've strayed way far from the original topic, but I mean, I, to me, the point of voting in this country, the the right we have to vote, is that no matter how much of a low-bottom junkie you are, you can walk in that day and cast your one vote. And to me, that's right. it, that's the point of it. It doesn't matter who the fuck you are. That's why we got rid of, you don't have to be, you, it's no longer white male landowners that can only vote. Well, well, okay, why aren't criminals allowed to vote? Now, this is interesting because I just had a discussion literally a couple of days ago with a friend of mine in the legal field. Yeah. And she said here in Michigan, felons it, can vote. Yes, it does vary from state to state, but, but I didn't more know often that. than not, you encounter the, the state laws are that if you are convicted of a crime, you can't vote. If you're incarcerated, you can't vote. And sometimes it's even after you've served your time, it's very difficult to get your voting status back. But w- I pretend I'm from another planet. Somebody please explain to me why a criminal shouldn't have a vote. I, okay, voter suppression. That's the only <laughs> fucking reason then. Because, because criminals are more likely to vote Democratic. That's why criminals can't vote in this country for the most part. There's no other fucking reason. Because they're fucking insane because you can't trust them and they're going to vote for some nutbag? You think all the psychotics in the fucking country are going to band together and I prop up one candidate and tip a fucking election? kind of a reach. I think it's more of a moral superiority thing than a partisan thing. Oh, no, it's 100% like, a partisan bad, thing. So now we're taking something away from no, you. No, but let's go back to the facts. More turnout equals Democratic wins. So who ha- who has the the incentive to suppress a vote? Republicans do. So any reason that they can think of that that seems relatively sane in in anyone's mind is used to to try and remove somebody from the voter rolls. That is as much as part of the battle as campaigning and redistricting is, or gerrymandering as they as they refer to it. These are actual political strategies i think and and then it starts getting into for me like is voting a right or a privilege because a privilege can be taken away it's absolutely a right if it it, it, that becomes a huge giant 
great discussion that could turn this into a five-hour podcast. I I don't know about that. I think it's done. It's a right. I don't I don't see how you can argue otherwise. Well, it's laid out in the Constitution, but it's, if you start taking it away, then you start. They said you could start that discussion. Well, like, does it now make it a privilege? I, uh, well, uh, it started off. I think it started there's... off as a right for a very select group of people in this country. Mm-hmm. And slowly over the last close to 250 years, has it been extended, at least given lip service that everybody's allowed to vote. And, and, I mean, and that's maybe why it can be taken away from criminals. Maybe that's the rationale. It's, no, to, it's a privilege. You you did a bad thing. Now this well, then, it's, then, then whoever's thinking that is wrong, period. And, and, if and if they don't see it as wrong, then I don't ever want to hear them talk about the rule of law or any of their rights when the police come kicking in their door at 6 in the morning, period. If you don't, this is, this is, this is something that, that, that is irritating me because it, it's, it's connected to a bunch of different issues that are hot right now, the sexual harassment stuff, the issue we're talking about. If you want to cherry pick what rights people can have, then you're not for the rule of law. Don't say you're a, you're a lawful, you, you support the law. If, if, if someone's accused of something and they're innocent until proven guilty, that's period. Just because they're accused of something heinous that you despise doesn't mean they're guilty till proven innocent. Mm-hmm. Period. Don't come at me with, well, I'm all about law and order. No, you might as well just call yourself what you are, which is a half-assed wannabe anarchist. You want to you act like most Christians. You want to cherry-pick what you believe in. Well, it don't work that way with the law. The law is the law, all right? If you have the right to vote, it's a right. It's an entitlement, period. Right. What, End what of if story. we just said we were going to get rid of the courts and, and just... <laughs> Go to some system where we trot out a person in a coliseum, announce over the PA what they're accused of, and then, you know, if you think they're guilty, you start pelting them with rocks, and if not, you sustain. And uh, we can just try by the passion of, the, of public opinion. Because that's, uh, basic, that's basically what we're doing on social media right now. Well, it's like the last year. Right. Well, I mean, it, public opinion is one thing. All right, and that that that's liable to go anywhere, depending on what group of people you get together, and what and what the climate is socially at the time. But that is why law is how it it, it is what it is. It's okay. There's a difference between punishment and vengeance. Case in point, what was going on, what happened with Penn State. All right, now granted, the law was involved only in the child molestation part, but there was a there was a point where the NCAA realized we're punishing people that had nothing to do with this, and it's not even punishment anymore, it's vengeance. Because it was such a heinous crime that was going on for decades within this program. Mm-hmm. But you can't, you can't, this isn't the fucking Bible. The Bible is not the law. We can't go, your father was this, so we're going to punish you. The sins of the father are not visited upon the son. That is the point of law. You fuck up, you pay the price. Once you have paid your price, in theory, once again, we give lip service to this. I'm not sure. I'm damn sure we don't fucking follow through with it. But we give lip service to the fact that once you pay your price, you're done. You're free and clear. 
you 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 come back into society. Now, if we if we go, well, you fucked up and you got caught with fucking four grams of fucking weed in an area where they don't suffer any type of potheads. So you did six months. You get out. Now we're going to start taking your rights away from you. Wait a minute. Didn't, uh, my punishment hasn't ended. You're continuing to punish me. Mm-hmm. And to take right, and I agree with you, Chris. To take someone's rights away from them, that means it's a privilege. That's the government overstepping its bounds. That's not the. That's not. If if the government steps in and tries to t- take a right and make it into a privilege, that's them overstepping their bounds. And it it's it. it, it I say it all the time. But when they overstep that much, roll out the guillotine. Put a couple judges' heads in there. Guarantee you they won't fucking step over that line again. Chop, did we all get the point, or do we need to put the second one in there? Don't fuck with our rights. I mean, it's period. And voting is like the most basic right on, on what this country's built on. If not, we would just have a monarchy. Christ, we damn near got a monarchy right. going on with the last 30 years. Between Bushes and Clintons, they passed the fucking presidency around like a goddamn party joint. So- right. It, let's look at, uh, like, cars are a good metaphor for freedom in this country. We're kind of obsessed with them. And, you know, that's a big reason why people get uh, all weirded out about automated vehicles because, you know, they like driving. You know, they feel like they express themselves in some way in the way that they drive or the, their choice of vehicle. I don't know why people get that attached to a piece of metal, but, it, you know, <laughs> if you're going to say to me that I can't drive my car in a certain fashion, the burden of proof is on you to show me why, right? You can't drive 100 miles an hour down the freeway. Why not? It's a free country. I paid for the taxes that made this. Right, my taxes made these roads. I paid for this car. I'm going to drive however the fuck I want. This is America, right? Okay, but no, we're going to show you why, you know, uh, statistics on deaths from high-speed crashes, and this is a reason why we have to restrict your rights, okay? That's reasonable. If you're going to restrict my voting rights, show me the statistics show me the reasons why we have to regulate this if you and can't prove why this is a problem in this country that needs to be regulated because all regulations are restrictions of freedom then there's a no, that that's a non-starter it's not up to me to constantly defend my rights and fight for them maybe a a, a patriot's responsibility to fight for their rights but it shouldn't be expected so you're looking at it as fight against show law. me the impropriety. I'm looking at it as it's 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 there to keep it from happening. Um, like I guess we're looking at it two different ways. Like it's yeah, but uh, the numbers just don't play out in your in your favor. I mean, right. in a system where we didn't have consistent voter rolls that we where we couldn't track people in the same way, certainly there's famous stories about in Chicago, vote early and vote often. That was a Dead joke. people were voting and shit, yeah. Right, because they didn't have control over this shit. So there were needs for certain restrictions so that we could make sure that the idea of one vote, one person was as true as possible in this country. Well, see, I think this is where us lying to people 
and calling it polite society, this is one of those times that's biting us in the ass. Who do we really not want voting in this country? People who aren't citizens. If you're here illegally, we don't want you voting. Yeah. Period. The, the, the numbers, you're right, Aaron. We went through this with the 2016 election. We talked about it for an hour, one of the, one of the first couple shows after the election. Trump was saying, like, what, 3 million people voted? And when people looked into it, it was literally like three, 4,000. Yes. Something, nothing that was going to affect, uh, affect the election. And so let's let's put that bullshit baby to bed and let's look at the real thing. We don't want people who aren't citizens voting. If you're here illegally, you're you're breaking the law, you don't get to vote. But if we say that, we all know what's going to happen. I mean, look at look at how language has been changed just in the last 15 20 years when it comes to people who are in this country illegally. It used to be they're in this country illegally. They're illegal immigrants. No, now they're undocumented. Person's not illegal, Rich. Exactly. You, exactly. See, at some point, someone tried to indoctrinate you. It's in your head. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, and so that's what, that's what we want to stop. Okay, then shouldn't that be a bipartisan issue? The fact that it's not should tell, should be a big warning flag for anybody who's paying attention. The problem is you've got most people in this country uh, excuse me, large portion of this country don't give a fuck enough to pay attention. They don't care. They don't even go out to vote themselves. And God damn it, I've been guilty of it at times. When I, when I was younger, I got to a point where like, would you like to register to vote? No. Why? Because I'm not going to vote in this election. And I don't want to be called for jury duty. Period. Don't put me on that button. Don't register me to vote. I've, I've gotten I, to that point in my life. So I know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. I think it goes beyond, though, just the idea of of citizenship it's uh, isn't the idea of of competency comes into play that it it's not just about the person who women are you saying that there's 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 a system of checks and balances to where if they can't do these basic things and they're not competent to vote is that what you're getting at okay no not that not that plainly i'm speaking more broadly in the fact that if i'm going out and i'm a passionate voter you know i let's say i vote republican uh, the republican party line every time and i feel like i'm well informed and i'm voting on issues that that matter to me and then i'm going to have my vote canceled out by some idiot you know and that can be broadly applied but that idiot could be that black dude over there that always votes democratic because they always just vote democratic and they don't know, or or some sort of minority group that is just trying to you know push for their own agenda and try and change my way of life. Well, that's the system that we have. You know, if they end up being in the majority, guess what? Your light, way of life is going to change. But there, there's certainly, uh, I, I can't say certainly, right? Because I'm implying that I can. I, I'm, I'm basically saying that I can read people's minds, and I can't. But you can read actions, and a lot of people are telegraphing the idea that when they talk about you know voter suppression or voter not voter suppression, but like, let's say if they believe that these numbers that, that Trump says that two to three million people voted illegally in some fashion, right? It's it's not about just the the immigrants that that are coming into this country illegally that shouldn't have a vote. There's definitely the idea that they are citizens 
in this country that shouldn't have a vote, whether it's because you just believe that they are lesser than you in some fashion or because they're so politically wrong-minded that they don't even (laughs) fit into this country in your mind. So I don't know. Let's talk about net neutrality. Yeah, Donald Trump's going to turn off your internet. That's what I've I've been reading today. This is a funny issue. Social media. You know, anyone who has been listening since the beginning or went back through the archives has heard me talk about on this show uh, being uh, pro-net neutrality. And, you know, I'll I'll confess to, I don't know if I was necessarily being, I was misinformed on the subject because I read about it, but maybe guilty of not seeing the bigger picture of what's going on. And this idea that, you know, let's face it, the only reason that net neutrality is going away is because it was something that was put in place under Obama. And as much as as people think that that Trump has a self-driven initiative on any of these things, it's just a whole checklist of whatever Obama did, I'm doing the opposite of. That's that's the only platform that they they really have. So anytime that they can say that an Obama-era regulation is being overturned, that's a big win. And this is just another one of them. Now, what does it really mean? I don't think most people have an idea. Because, well, take for example, a lot of what... Uh, People who are pro-net neutrality are worried about are the little guys, the little creatives that are out there online. You know, this idea that if uh, if I want to stream my Netflix video or if I want to, uh, you know, support some uh, independent artists through Patreon and enjoy their work that they produce online, that I'm going to get the same internet either way. That all comes across the same channel. Nothing, I don't get, prefer, there's no preferential treatment given to Netflix because, they, uh, because they're a bigger organization than this one individual you know, making a, a website, this essentially small business person. So I, I follow a lot of creatives online on, on, through Twitter, uh, independent artists and writers, and a lot of them were, seem to just be tearing their hair out online today over this idea that net neutrality regulations are going away. That I don't know if I can do this anymore. This is going to affect my way of life. I'm not going to be able to have my own website, really. It didn't exist until 2015. That, exactly. That's one thing I've learned in the last well, few weeks when everyone's been going insane. Net neutrality did not exist till 2015. It was Everything was fine before it. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. And you know what? You know what? One of the, was one of the major catalysts that brought it around. The fact that Comcast was throttling Netflix back in 2013 and 2014. That's one of the major. That's one of the major fucking things that happened that sparked the the the, the call for net neutrality. Because just because corporations hadn't thought of how to be more greedy and and milk more dimes and pennies out of people. Up until that point, doesn't mean it's not a valid issue. Okay, just because they're they didn't think outside the box until that point, and then when they got caught, someone said, "No, fuck this. We're going to nip this in the bud before it gets out of control. Before you have to. Oh, you want to go to Facebook? Well, that's five dollar. That's this is our Facebook package. This is our Instagram package. Right. Oh, you want to go to any? You want you want to go to every place on the internet at the same speed? That's a hundred dollars a month. Well, I mean, it's the. the, the 
Uh, to, to me, the bigger issue about this is that you have the Trump administration who ran talking all this horse shit about how this is a populist movement, this is for the people, blah, blah, blah. 83% of this country is for net neutrality. Right. And his, and, 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 and his minions just fucking did their best through the FCC, or they did kill it through the FCC. It still has to go through Congress. How the fuck is that a populist movement? How is that the will of the people? That, to me, is the bigger issue that's getting lost in this. Because people want to fucking go, everyone on the right wants to go, oh, God, zombies are going to invade fucking Manhattan and the world's going to come to an end because net neutrality stopped. And the left wants to act like, oh, my God, you're not going to be able to log on to the Internet on December 15th, 2018. No, the bigger issue is, what the fuck is going on to where the overwhelming majority of this country is against something, and our government just goes, eh, we don't really give a fuck. Right. Fuck you. Right. That's completely valid. That's also why this doesn't matter. <laughs> because this is a market-driven issue. And certainly, you know, there are a lot of places where Comcast especially has a monopoly, like in my area. I have options for Internet. But if I want good internet that allows me to do what I'm doing right now, you know, I'm streaming uh, my voice to a studio that is also streaming your voices into that studio. And I'm also monitoring that studio through video that I stream. I mean, I have to have decent internet for that. I have to have Comcast. But that is all going to change in the very near future anyway. Let's kind of set that aside, though. Talk about that this 5G. Absolutely. 5G is going to change everything. But uh, the reason that the rules about the, the regulations for, on net neutrality don't really matter in my mind are that because this is a market-driven issue and because there will be increased competition coming down the line very soon that will more than likely drive prices down... The people's will will be heard because Comcast understands that there are still limits to what they can get away with. And net neutrality hasn't done anything to regulate anybody's bill. It hasn't brought down pricing for anyone. It really didn't change the structure of how anybody got their internet. And now that... Yeah, there's still data plans. I mean, those are right. still... I mean, and, and talking about all the, the independents that I follow online that were freaking out about their way of life being, or their way of doing business being affected by this as a, as a small business person. Is, again, you, you mentioned this went into effect in 2015. These people all had successful online websites. They were getting their art out there. They're writing out there before all this and during, and they will continue to afterward. Well, if, because if, there's no business trade. Like Comcast will do what they can get away with. I mean, if if the if there was complete free and open internet, same access for everybody under net neutrality, why did was Comcast still allowed to have separate pricing for businesses? How come it's $45 if I want internet into my home, but it's $200 if I want it to go to my business? Why is I mean, there's all different types of of price. I mean, Everyone wants to talk about free and open access. Every internet plan out there has a tiered structure. Look at your cell phone plan. 
you, I can, I have to choose how fast I want my internet to be, and I have to pay for it accordingly. I don't just play, pay a, fa- a flat fee to Comcast and get all the internet. They throttle it unless I pay them top dollar. Okay, so so it's so setting this, setting aside my issue with the fact that this goes against the vast majority of what the people in this country want. Yes. Okay, I'll read you a tweet the Comcast sent out. We do not and will not block, throttle, or discriminate against lawful content. We will continue to make sure that our policies are clear and transparent for consumers, and we will not change our commitment to these principles. And then there's a response, and it's the best response I've heard to it. This gentleman says, basically what you're saying is, we never will, but it's very important that we're able to. But we won't, so let us do it, because we won't do it. Which is why we're spending so much money to make sure we can, but we won't. But let us. I'm sorry, man. The the fact that the, the, the cable companies were throwing millions of dollars to end net neutrality tells me they got something in store that we ain't even thought of yet. And you and, and, and this this fantasy of this open market and competition, all these cable companies have to do is get together and go, Hey, nobody fucking price lower than the rest of us. And we can gouge the fuck out of these idiots because they'll have no place else to go. I'm sorry. Who's your Who's your second fucking choice for cable in your area? Oh, that's right. You don't have one. So I guess you better shut the fuck up and fork over that money, huh? Mm -hmm. And believe me, if it ain't in your cable bill, it's going to be through all your beloved streaming services. And as more and more fucking places go to online streaming and offering content that way, when the cable companies start charging them more who do you think they're going to pass that on to you're going to pay for this one way or the other period you're either going to pay the cable company or you're going to pay the content providers or you're going to you're just going to get a big old middle finger stick it in everyone's face get a tor browser and learn to fucking set up a vpn and go torrent the fuck out of everything there's choices period and i mean i i, I if if you if you are f- I, I I mean, I don't know. Rooting for Comcast to me is like going to a casino and rooting for the house. I don't understand that. But I understand there's a yeah. bunch of bunch of people who think they're in, they're they're temporarily embarrassed millionaires and that somehow they're gonna be billionaires one day and and then they're gonna join the elite. You're not. You're not never gonna be in that club, but you carry more water for them and you cheerlead for them harder than most motherfuckers who are in the club. I don't understand it. I do not get it. I'm sorry. Net neutrality was a prophylactic to stop a problem from getting to the point where it could get bad. And Comcast lied their ass off in that statement in that tweet because they were the ones who got caught throttling fucking Netflix's bandwidth four years ago, three years ago, which brought about, I mean, it wasn't the only thing, but it was a major fucking starting point for the whole net neutrality issue. So why, please, someone... Explain to me, besides the fact that you worship at the altar of everything corporate in America, why I should believe these companies who will not act in anybody's best interest but their own. You shouldn't. But in in the same way that we were talking about regulating our freedoms, you know, in, if you're going to regulate a business, you have to prove why that there's some reason why that business isn't regulating itself properly to begin with. You know, and these things do happen. You would think that it would, if you sold a food product that got somebody sick, it would hard be hard to stay in business. But, you know, until we actually started looking into these things and deciding that 
we had to have a federal regulation to decide what we were consuming and whether that, whether it was uh, you know healthy and safe or not. So the same way that regulation on the internet is something that is it's inevitable in some respect. It has to be. There's 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 no situation where there's going to be a completely free and open internet unless the government is actually using your tax dollars to just beam 5G into every home in America then you're going to be the at the whim of, of the market and that's going to so I'm oh, not Aaron, making myself clear, Aaron, but I'm kind of talking in circles at least you're consistent cuz I did have the thought of like hmm so preventing something Preventing something that's bad from happening, maybe, you know, with net neutrality, we don't want it. But with voting, eh, we don't want, like, that's... Yeah, but here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, like, Chris. Just, like, you, hey, prove it to me. If, 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 the, the, if the burden of proof, or excuse me, if the bar is set that you have to prove that companies will, will do this to their customers, it's already happened. I mean, no. that's... that's, that, that's, uh, no, that's, 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 that's not exactly what I'm saying, though. The, it's not whether it's happening or not, not whether you can point to examples of where it has happened. You have to look at whether it's a sustainable system or not. You know, I, well, let me ask you. Let me ask you. Comcast is current. Well, let, let me finish real quick, though. Comcast has, has been able to uh, ride on its current business model because of lack of competition. Again, that's all going to change completely. The way that we get our internet over the next five years is going to be completely different in this country. And unless Comcast adapts, they will go the way of the dinosaur. If they hold on to their hard lines as they're, as they're in into our homes, then they may as well be investing in fossil fuels. I mean, it's, it will soon be outdated technology that it will be useless so like does comcast has comcast done lots of shady shit have them been able to get away with this because they have monopoly in in a lot of places in this country absolutely is regulating the internet the answer to keeping comcast in line highly doubtful well my question and this is like i said it's a dumb question because I don't know. I, I, I don't know the answer, so that's why I guess it's a dumb question. Okay, electricity. Mm-hmm. Do you pay a different rate depending on yes. where you live? So if you We're live not- in the UP, you pay a different rate for electricity Yeah. than you well, do. Yeah, in- I mean, even in the same way that, that gas prices are higher, it's transportation and, and delivery is, is more expensive. Okay. But they have to show, they can't just go, well, you live in the UP, of course you're going to pay more. They have to show, there has to be some sure. reason, right? Yeah, there's, yeah the same way there's that, you know, I get... different rates per kilowatt hour in different right. places. So they have to show, you know, that we have this much demand on our system at this point. And Okay. Now, is, is internet considered a utility? Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, legal, As, legally. As the, as the concept of the internet grows, we've had to adapt the way that we think about it. And thinking about the, the internet, like it can be classified all under one umbrella as a human right or, you know, a basic utility 
that should be enjoyed everywhere in this country. I. <laughs> well, the human right thing is the UN. Uh, let's take that. It's not just because the UN said it. We're America. We don't have to. We're we're one of the few countries and go. Yeah, whatever. Fuck off. We don't have to listen to them. Um, what are you going to do? Sanction us with your army? <laughs> right. Well, I think you have to think about it in this, in this respect: is that it is it a utility? Well, I think it. Even if you can find some way to technically not put it in that class, um, if you want to think that upward mobility is a basic right in this country, that's one of the that's one of the things that we're the most po- proud of in America, right? That this is a country where anybody can can make it, you know. If you want to consider that upward mobility is a basic right, then I think that the internet kind of falls underneath that. Um, you know? I, okay, it, is it required for survival? It's required for functioning in society, yes. But if you wake uh, but up tomorrow and all of a sudden the internet is gone, you will still breathe oxygen. But you think still about, all about the your ba- day. How many of the basic human rights that we think of in this country directly relate to surviving? I'm just talking about biology. Like but it's not about sur- biology. Physiological survival. You will you would if they wake up tomorrow and internet just all of a sudden just disappears, you would still exist. Right, but if you woke up tomorrow and you had no access to the internet and everybody else did you would be at a disadvantage and you would be less likely to have that yeah, upward mobility. I'm talking mobility. about basic human survival. If you go without internet for I know that you're talking time, about basic human survival. Die. If you're deprived of that, water for an extended amount of time, you will cease to exist. There's a difference to me. Yes, but we're talking about what we enjoy as, as basic rights in this country, not about what allows us to live day in and day out. To me, basic right is survival. If we're talking basic rights, things that require me to survive. Mm -mm. To keep sucking oxygen. If we're talking basic rights. What about expressing yourself? What about the basic rights of expressing yourself and voicing your opinion has to do with survival? That's, to me, that's functioning in society. That's not basic survival. But this is all under the idea of basic rights in this country. The right to express your opinion didn't mean shit. It was all about waking up tomorrow. I mean, again, if we're... Think basic survival. That's what I'm talking. We're basic rights. That's what I'm. That's that's. I guess how I'm. Those are two different things. Those are two different things. Those that you just said. No, that's why I correct. Basic survival. Basic survival. Second one. But but no. But you're you're talking on one hand about basic basic survival. Basic rights are linked to basic survival. That's what I'm trying to tell you, (laughs) and that these and that's part of it. Upward mobility is part of that. It's not a right. It's a part of our society. Because there's some societies on the planet where it's... We're not talking about other societies. We're talking about the U.S. and the rights that we enjoy in this country. And one of those is the idea of upward mobility. I mean, look, I I have a hard time. I agree with Chris in this aspect. If it is required for survival, I see that as... That's more. If we're going to talk, if we're going to talk, if we're going to talk a human right, human rights should... I mean, human rights that everybody should have. Yeah. All right. Period. Then, yeah, if everybody's going to have it, you got to boil it down to its base, the most base ingredient, which is survival. No, but we're no, talking you don't. about. 
thriving is what we're talking about, not surviving. You're not going to die if I take away your right to vote. So, okay. So we're talking about the difference between, I, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm lost on the point you're trying to make. I, get, I mean, I understand the difference between surviving and living, existing and living a life. I well, know the difference okay. because I've done them both, but I, what refocus. I'm getting at is that, okay. We're talking about the internet and how it fits into our way of life, you know? And it, I mean, the answer to that is everything, everywhere. It fits into all aspects of our lives at this point. And how does that fit into the basic concepts of everybody being equal and having an equal shot in this country? Right? When we talk about the laws that we create, the Constitution that we adhere to sometimes, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about putting it together a system where everybody has an equal voice, everybody has equal chance for happiness. But we don't live in that and, system. Do we all make but, the same amount of money? That's... <laughs> okay, but uh, How, what I'm talking about is... Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Back... Uh, that has nothing to do with this. I'm talking, we're talking about opportunities, right? I mean, well, this access, is, this to, access to the internet has, has become everything. If you can't apply for a job online anymore, it, people look at you weird when you just walk in and say, I'd like to fill, fill out an application. We don't even have them in my, in my work anymore. We just tell them to go online. Just, right. And and just this is what I was trying to say. The internet is not required for survival. No. But in American that's society, not, that's not in the, the bar year, that we set in a, in American society in the year 2017, it is required if you want to thrive. Yes. Right. If that's the point you were trying to make, I totally get that point. But at the same time, as fucked up as this is going to sound. Even the most low-bottom motherfucker I know can get some sort of government phone, even if it doesn't have, with the plan that the government gives you, so many minutes, so many you know text messages, whatever, if it's Wi-Fi capable, you can go to a fucking McDonald's parking lot, sit in a parking lot, and use their Wi-Fi. Uh, and we're making this argument, we don't... We've never heard the debate of no one. Electricity's not a right. Your electricity gets shut off. People's power gets shut off all the time. A lot of people will sit in the dark till their next bill comes. We don't make. We don't have that argument. But there are, and I know this from living in upstate New York. I don't know about Michigan, but I know in New York, they can't shut your heat off in the winter. Mm-hmm. Now, the minute it gets above a certain temperature, and that's the average temperature for that time of year. They'll shut your gas off in a heartbeat, but they can't. They won't do it in the dead of winter because they know you'll fucking you'll freeze to death. No, but I, I can see that. Uh, being no, there's more a difference right though, because you, extreme environment can harm you. Sure, that does t- tie directly into basic survival, but you know. it's not about whether having electricity in your house is a right. It's about whether having access to that electricity is a right. And it is. If you've got residents somewhere in your state, you have to run w- wires to them so they get electricity. Yeah, I was going to say that's 
That's you. There's you ain't. You can build a house as nice and big as you want it, but if you don't have white electricity running to it, you ain't gonna be able to sell that motherfucker or live in it legally, at least. I mean, that's just that's that's bottom line. You can't right. just build it's, a house in, in the middle of twenty acres with no electricity and move the fuck in unless you live in the middle of butt fuck nowhere. I mean that that that's. They inspect houses before they sell them for a reason. It's not just to make sure that your foundation isn't cracked or some shit. It's to make sure no. you can receive everything that you are supposed to receive in that house. Like you said, that you have access to it. It doesn't mean you can afford it. Mm-hmm. You can buy a big-ass house and can't afford to turn the lights on. There's plenty of people that's happened to. Right. Well, but my point is, is that if we're going to have a discussion about what we what we enjoy as as uh, basic rights, how we understand basic not survival, but something beyond that, actually prospering, then that goes that scope goes way beyond just surviving to the next day. And there's plenty of examples of that that go beyond this this internet conversation. You know, we've got the basics covered of, you know, we have a military to make sure that other countries just don't walk in here and kill everybody and take over the land, right? That's a basic right that we would like to enjoy, the freedom to not be invaded by somebody else. So that ties directly into your day-to-day survival, the same way that you need food and air and water you need somebody to not shoot you. Those, but when we talk about what do we want to see as a standard for life, for not just survival, and, it, and a lot of people use words like happiness. It's not about happiness. You can't make everybody happy. You can't. You can guarantee every opportunity in the world, and still end up with an unhappy person. That's, not something that the government should even be concerned about. I, I'm not even sure. I guess what the the right words for it are, other than th- the the ability to thrive if you step up to it. Right? It's not about being guaranteed some basic level of comfortability in your life. It's about having a system set up. So that anybody who does apply themselves can see results from that that are equal and even to the results that anybody else would see in this country, regardless of race or gender or anything. So is is the Internet a utility? So then why isn't it just free? It should be. It really should be. So then, but then we start getting into the. So then, electricity should be free. They should pump water into our homes for free. Mm-hmm. You know, our homes should be heated for free. I'm listening. Like, well, I mean, look, it, where does it, it wouldn't? What free internet would not stop? be free internet? Let's 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 understand what we're talking about when we say free. It'd be <laughs> tax subsidized. It'd be tax subsidized. I was going to say I had free internet. It was called Net Zero. <laughs> that shit sucked. <laughs> 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 that was for you youngins out there. That's when you actually had to have a, a landline and call up a number to fucking connect to the internet. <laughs> look, I 
to, to, to try to bring this back around to the original topic, because we, boy, we, we like to oh, wander. Think, we 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 really need a fucking like like a like a, a shepherd here with us today because we're just wandering I all disagree. over the field. I think this is directly applicable to what we're talking about here. Well, I mean, look, that, I, that's it, a, that's at the core of the net neutrality issue. In 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 just for, you know, I've heard more people than not argue for net neutrality, and I know their arguments. The people who argue against it, I've yet to hear a real... I mean, the closest I've come to, in my opinion, to an argument that makes sense is the argument that you laid out, Aaron. Most people, when this issue comes up, who are like, well, fuck, we don't need net neutrality. The only reason they say that is because they're fucking right-leaning or they're Republicans. It's, It's become a partisan issue. It's like everything else in this country. There's well, no it, issue that we can't turn into a fucking left versus right. Well, no, I, I think this is, it should be a partisan issue if they're going to be consistent because it's about regulation. So I, why would a Republican like it? They're anti-regulation. I, yeah, okay. And there's states' rights until it comes to marijuana and abortion. I, do, I don't expect, I expect some things out of my government. Consistency is not one of them. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's asking too much. That's a bridge too far, bro. I, you just can't. I mean, it, you know, hey, hey, homosexual sex is a sin, and it should be punishable by laws. And then you find the right. guy smoking meth with more dicks in him than a fucking, you know, Kardashian in a state prison. I mean, what the fuck, but, man? Trust me, Aaron, I had, a, but, I had the same thought about voting rights. It's like, huh, the party that loves regulations doesn't really love them so much when it comes to voting. It's a show full well, of irony today, folks. I think it, we we can look at uh, a pretty close model of how internet technology is rolled out in the marketplace when we look at the proliferation of cell phones. Now, the idea that um, we can be reachable and call anyone in just about any situation as long as we remember to charge our cell phone from anywhere in this country damn near pretty pretty well universally uh accepted as i'm not gonna say it's a it's a basic right but it's something that is relatively easily accessible and even in some cases subsidized by the government for people now if we look at how the the history of that has played out we're all old enough to remember getting our first cell phones, having ridiculous plans, having to keep track of minutes, having to, you know, pay roaming fees for these ridiculously going outside of the ridiculously small networks. We're not realizing um, that those text messages cost money. Right. All of this shit and all these little ways where. You know, you're getting your bill and looking at it and going, what the fuck? How did my bill get this high? $700. This is is getting out of control. Well, I mean, even, even outside of, of like extravagant, extravagant charges like that, you know, just. I paid that motherfucker. That one hurt though. Even, even if you got like a regular bill, (laughs) you were just like. a rough couple months. It seemed like this constant battle between you and your cell phone provider over what you could get out of them and how much you had to pay for it. And what we see now 
is, well, access has come way down price-wise. You know, I can pay $30, $35 to Cricket, or I can pay 80 bucks to AT&T, but I'm getting the same core service either way. I'm getting the same signal everywhere I go. I have the same access to the internet and the same quality phone calls. <coughs> Eventually, the market figured itself out on what it could get away with charging and what their customers really wanted. Now, very little of that had to do with the government stepping in and regulating this. This is a market finding its stasis, finding its point where it was a, a agreed upon on both sides what their service is worth. And that's the same thing that's going to happen with Internet access in this country. You know, I mean, unfortunately, we've we've seen the situation where instead of having, like with cell phone providers, they started popping up all over the place. Even outside of your big uh, companies like Verizon and AT&T and Sprint, uh, you have many other smaller companies that are just basically piggybacking on those same networks. So competition has opened up drastically and the market has adjusted. And I don't hear anybody going to their congressman saying, you need to reduce my cell phone bill. You need to control how they're regulating my cell signal. It's because the market figured it out. And it does in most cases. When when it can't be when it can't be self regulating, that's why we have a government to step in to enforce regulations. I don't see an example of where anything that's gone on with how the internet has blossomed in this country is an example for tighter regulations on it. The internet is finding its stasis point. And if anything, the, this idea that 80% of this people, uh, you know, been that statistic thrown around a lot or, or numbers near that, that don't want to see the net neutrality regulations go away, well, their voice may not be heard by their government. That's kind of a whole separate issue. In relation to how it affects the internet, this tells the people who, prov the internet service providers, what their customers are expecting and what they will put up with. Because there's a certain point near, nearing in Comcast's future where they are going to have to look at real competition. And they are going to look at how they price their product and how they handle their customers, things that they feel like they have a, a lot of control on now. Look at the pizza industry. So... You could you, you could draw that parallel. Mm -hmm. Before the year two thousand, paying twenty dollars for a large pepperoni pizza was the norm. Now, if you right, charge, people look at you like, does a hand job come with that pizza? And the reason that pizza places are popping up everywhere, nice alliteration, is that the the profit margin was like higher than any other food product you could make. You know, they're they're putting like a couple bucks worth into a pizza and charging you twenty bucks for it. And people were paying it until somebody put, came in and disrupted that market. And, you know, the government didn't come in and go, people are paying way too much for pizza. Yeah. We got we to gotta, we gotta figure out a way to keep these prices in line. See, mate, well, well, also, 
yeah, you can pay five, six bucks for a pizza, but it's going to taste like a five, six bucks pizza. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's well, all that, there is to it. That's another way where the, the, the market adjusts. And look, you, I can pay... Well, it's the same way with the internet. I can, I can pay 25... Twenty, yeah, I give yes. Comcast twenty five bucks a month. My internet's gonna yes. suck, right? But here's I'd rather what, give them eighty bucks a month. Here's yeah. what I don't. Here's what I don't know, and I and and maybe one of you guys will, and if not, then this is just yet another in a long list of times I wish Jay was here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I okay, it's not like these internet companies. Are having to shell out billions, or excuse me, millions, to get the infrastructure for the internet, you know, put in place anymore. I mean, Christ, right. I was I was making fiber optic cables in New York twenty years ago, and we were shipping them out like they were going. We we couldn't keep up with the demand. So I mean, I know that f- most metropolitan areas they're good to go as far as that as of right now. All right, yes, there's upkeep. I get that. But how much does it really cost an internet provider to give you a hundred download speed and let's say twenty upload speed versus five and two? Does it really cost them more money? I mean, water I, is a physical product. So and, and electricity uh, you know comes from something. But there is a physical product here. I mean, the internet's not physical, but the, it takes physical things to make the internet. You, you need well, a lot of power and a lot of resources in order to provide that internet for all these people. So servers. That, it, it's not. It's not that it necessarily costs more, and any any more than like if I'm operating my television at. Uh, at a peak time where everybody else is watching their television and I'm paying a premium like everybody else for those kilowatt hours, it's not because it costs the electric company that much more. It's because there's a certain limit to those resources and you have to have a market price in order to throttle that demand. I mean, they they try this with traffic, too. Uh, There's cities that are experimenting with... uh, variable rate toll roads or uh, or high-capacity lanes, where if you want to ride in the high-capacity lane and you're just one guy going to work, then you can do that, but you got to pay us $10, $20, $30. There's only so much bandwidth, ultimately, that they could supply to everyone. See, because I'm and just having, flash- a, having a pricing structure allows somebody to go. Well, you know what? I don't need all. Of that. I don't need a hundred megs. All I'm doing is watching Netflix, and I don't. And I'm living alone, so I'll get the smaller package. I just, I'm, I just flash back to the evening of nine eleven, two thousand one, when I finally got home from work, and they were saying on the news like, if you don't need to go on the internet, don't go on the internet. You know, blah 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 blah. You know, we, we we're having a national crisis. We don't need our speeds bogged down. Well, of course, I don't give a fuck. I I hopped on the internet. There was no bogged down speeds that I could see. This was on dial-up. I was going through phone lines at this point. I mean, it it, it was it, to me. It's like no, okay, but, it's but a, servers it, can crash, and even <laughs> I I I, look, I I get it. But what I'm saying is, I just to me, it just seems like. 
we're putting a price on something that's not tangible, it's not physical, and we're going, well, because it costs money to produce it. Yeah, I understand it. But all the infrastructure is already there. The servers are already there. The servers are going to run no matter what. I mean, it's not like, oh, Aaron signed up for 100 100 meg internet. We better get another server in here. That's not how it works. No, but you do have to, like, like any business... You have to figure out, you know, who your customers are, what they're willing to pay, and what services they actually need, and then put together a system that can provide those services. And that's what servers are. It's not like I built a whole building full of of machines, and now that can supply all the internet for everyone in perpetuity. I mean, just outside of maintenance, you there is an actual, you have to decide how many servers do we need? How much is that going to cost us? What's the upkeep daily on these machines? There is, there's a definite physical cost to that. No, I mean, I understand. I've been, I don't know what you call it, a server farm. I don't know. Where you go in the basement, there's a ton of servers, and it's like fucking ice cold because they have to keep it cold because it, it's so fucking hot. Those machines run so hot. I've been in there. I've seen it. I mean, I, I understand that part. But at a point, there's got to be a cap to it. It can't just be like, oh, there's 100,000 people that signed up in this area, so that's going to drive everything up. The, you know, it's, it's, it, I mean, these are, these are major corporations who have known about this for decades now and have planned ahead. You know what that cap is? 5G. What, what the fuck is 5 I, I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to fucking okay. derail us, but... I know we have fourth generation, right now, yes, fifth right. generation, but w- w- what's going to be so revolutionary about how it's delivered to us? We used to just get a cell signal into our phones, right? And then maybe you had a Wi-Fi capable one that you could hook up, but then we started getting the actual ability to compress other forms of data greatly and beam that across these wireless lines. And that's how we started getting 3G and 4G. And 5G is just the next step in that. Every generation of this wireless data uh, protocol has become tenfold more uh, efficient. And 5G is going to be so efficient that it's going to overpower the, uh, the amount of data that can go through a cable line. I don't think... it. It's gonna it's gonna beat out like DSL and cable. Probably not if you're getting fiber optic. That's probably still gonna be faster. But that's not the majority of of internet users out there. They're not getting it over fiber optic lines. Majority is uh, is DSL and cable. So here's a wireless technology that requires no company to run anything into your home or you buy any special product or box or anything to receive it, it's just beamed the same way that the internet is beamed to your phone. So, you know, and Verizon is rolling this out next year and they're testing out markets. This is already proven technology. They're just figuring out how does it work in the real world and, you know, how much they can charge for it. That's not going to take very long at all. So by 2019, you're probably going to have an option to, if you want to just pay Verizon 
to get your internet and it goes into your phone no matter where you are or it goes right into your home, goes right into your TV, goes right into your computer. You don't have to have any other lines available. You don't have to have somebody come out and show their butt crack to you while they drill a hole in the side of your building. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I got treat me with all your internets. <laughs> Right. And, you know, it's, it's a side note, too. It's, it's interesting because I haven't dealt with Verizon in years, but I did have uh, a cell phone through them. Had no problems with the, uh, with the service, you know, great service at the time, as far as me operating my phone. The customer service side, well, they had a similar attitude as Comcast. Well, we're fucking Verizon. What are you going to do? Like... You came to us because you wanted the best cell phone network in the country. So where do we go from here? There's the price. If not, there's the door. They had no reason to even see, you know, AT&T or or Sprint or T-Mobile or anybody else that popped up as real competition. They had, for the longest time, the strongest market. Now we've seen that change. We've seen, I mean, if you live anywhere near a major city, you have your choice of cell phone providers. Your coverage is damn near nationwide, regardless of who you decide to go with. So at a certain point, Verizon had to rethink how they were handling their customers. And my ex, who uh, still has Verizon, was telling me be- about an experience that she had with them. My son was I took him out to my parents' place out in the, the sticks, and there was no Wi-Fi out there. And he watched a few videos, and He's like, basically, Dad, I want to leave immediately. <laughs> basically, he wa- he watched a few videos with his cousins and just wiped out the- his whole data plan in like two hours. In like two month. hours. <laughs> Right, for the whole month, you know? And my ex is calling me like, what the hell just happened? Like, my, I have no data anymore, and now it's going to cost me all this. Well, you know, she talked to Check Verizon. And Verizon was very, she, they were very much willing to work with her. They wanted to keep her as a customer. This was, a, a, their actions spoke of a business that understands that they have competition, not like when I call Comcast and they go, what are you going to do, DSL? So, you know, they said, oh, we can bump your plan up just for the month, and then it automatically goes down to your regular plan just so that you can cover this data, and we're willing to forgive this much that you went over. They worked with her because she has been consistently giving them hundreds upon thousands of dollars over the, I don't know, I think she's been with them for like eight, nine years now. So it's just interesting to me to see that, Verizon is kind of uh, rethinking the way it handles its customers because they they understand that not only are they going to have the opportunity to now take away a lot of customers from Comcast that are dissatisfied with their experience and have a product that will actually compete with what Comcast can provide, but that they're not going to be alone in this 5G market either. Everybody who's got satellites flying around is going to be prepared to start beaming the internet down in 5G format. <sighs> See, to me, it's just another thing like 4K. 
that I'll get around to in about five, ten years. <laughs> I just, I'll, yeah. be, I'll be the last one. Dude, I had a 3G phone two years ago, okay? I mean, I'll be the last <laughs> one with a 4G phone. Well, sure. I mean, there's always going to be guys that want, need to be on the bleeding edge of technology. Like, they come out with, oh, there's a 5K, there's an 8K TV. I've got 12K, you know. That's great, but you don't even have, like, <laughs> anything that can play that. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. It's like my one buddy who got a laser so disc player, and he had one movie, and it was <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. And every time we come over, he go, you want to watch Empire? And I'm like, no, dude. No. <laughs> but look how clear the picture is. I don't give a fuck. I've seen Darth Vader as clear as I ever want to see him. Right. Can we watch something else? <laughs> but, but eventually, you know, the... As as the the technology progresses, you're not even making that as a decision, right? When oh, you no. bought your last when you bought your last cell phone, they didn't ask you if you do you want it Wi-Fi capable. <laughs> it's just a given. <laughs> no, in fact, uh, pops, my buddy's dad will not touch a smartphone. I mean, almost literally, like he'll hand oh. you your phone, but if you ask him to do something, he's like. I'm confused and he throws it down and he's just like I can't do it so he still has a flip phone he lost his flip phone like three months ago they took him phone shopping they had to go to three different stores to find a flip phone for him with the big enough fucking numbers and shit I mean he doesn't even have yeah. a keyboard he doesn't even have a QWERTY keyboard when he texts he's hitting buttons three times to get to the letter he wants right. I mean it's just <laughs> and he's so happy with it and I'm like no matter what there, until that generation dies off, there will always be a sliver of a market, but it'll be there for people like that. So, I, I mean, I, I, I get that, but it's just like the first time I bought a high-def TV. I, I didn't buy a high-def TV because I wanted one. I bought one because right. I walked in and said, hey, my old fucking tube TV blew up and I need a new one. And they were like, here you go. And I'm like, where's your tube TVs? And the guy's like, we don't sell those anymore. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And he's like, this is blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, can I hook a gaming console up to it? You can hook your computer up to it. Great. Give me it to me for that price and let me go. I don't, I don't need the bells and whistles. Not the same way. But so, my 40-inch projection I got off of Craigslist died. Hey, I need a TV. Well, all we have are these now. Okay. Right. So to kind of put a bow on this subject then, that's a... That's my basic take on the net neutrality issue is that eventually, because we're all looking at this in the aspect of Comcast being one of the bigger companies that uh, is involved in this issue as, as being the, the big player and assuming that they will always be the big player, but the, the technology is going to change. And the, the people who are pro getting rid of net neutrality regulations like uh what's his name ajit pot i forget what the his last name is bucktooth indian dude whatever <laughs> right that dude ajit pai i think he's saying that you know the whole reason that he wants to get rid of these regulations is because he wants to promote growth in the industry for new technologies and it's kind of difficult to argue against that when you've seen so little growth in that aspect. I mean, I agree with you. If Comcast is pushing for this, they're not altruistic. There's, there's something in it for them, and there should be. 
you know, I'm not saying that Comcast shouldn't be allowed to make a profit based on providing internet to people, but I, uh, I don't, I don't know ultimately what that is because if, if you're saying pricing. that, it, yeah, but but it, the market doesn't that doesn't play out in the market. Yeah. I would not care about net neutrality one way or the other if there was six cable companies available no matter where you went. Right. And you called and you said, I need cable. You're my first call. Give me an offer. And then you could call the other five and shop shop for the best price. But that's just not the reality at this point in time. But it's it's right around the corner. No, well, it's, it's literally around the corner where you can, if you want to watch TV, you say, I want to watch The Walking Dead. I don't so, have access to it, so I'm going to call one of six wireless providers that can, that can beam 5G directly into my home, find out who's got the best pricing structure and setup for my needs. So if, I'm, if, I'm, if, if you're correct, basically what we're doing with this whole net neutrality thing is we're sitting in a blockbuster in 2005, arguing why we can't get VHS tapes instead of DVDs. Like, we're right on the cusp of, of, of the type of internet that we get and how we get it being obsolete. I think we're more like standing in the blockbuster wondering why they don't get Blu-rays, not understanding that it's just going to be better to have it beamed in your house anyway. Okay. There you go. Or going to Blockbuster in 2012 instead of just fucking getting Netflix. Hey, there you go. Right, 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 right. We're still thinking, <laughs> we're not looking past our own nose on this issue. Well, I mean, guys, for, 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 for our own sake as a podcast, because I've heard all the, and, and the, the doomsday preppers when it comes to this subject, they annoy me. Like, I don't think the world's going to end. I don't think this is the government snatching your rights away from you, none of that bullshit. But, I mean, I do see, I didn't know about the 5G thing until this conversation. And you have to understand, not knowing about that, I'm just like, I see a lot of room for fuckery here. And I see places where it could be like, oh, well, the big, because first of all, Netflix, Amazon, Google, these are billion, trillion dollar corporations. They're going to be fine. It's the small guys, the small content providers that are going to be fucked. And I'm just, I was picturing six months from now, I connect with you guys to do a show, and I hear we have to have a talk from Chris. And since I'm not fucking Chris, <laughs> I know that he's not breaking up with me, but I know that we have to have a talk. Never ends well for me. So I'm just, I was just imagining, you know, Jesus, dude, they fucking, they want like $300 for the internet we need to do this. I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. Can you all afford it? And at that point, it's like blood and semen. What's that going for? <laughs> and to be honest, with, to be honest with you, listeners, I love doing the show. I'm happy for everyone that listens. I'm kind of attached to my body parts and my organs. I don't want to give them up just for your entertainment. I'm not Jesus. I don't want to <laughs> die for your sins. <laughs> so right. That's what, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I could understand being fearful of of regulations going away if we're looking at a a static market with set monopolies that aren't going anywhere but that's that's not what we're looking at well then hey you know what if any good's come on the show in flux 
if any good's come of this show tonight, you've put my mind at ease much more than it was before the conversation started. So, yeah, I mean, and I think my cell phone analogy is valid because think about the access that you have to information through your cell phone now compared to where that used to be even, you know, five years ago. You've got way more bang for your buck. You've got way more features. You're paying almost nothing for your phone in, in most cases. And you're getting a great product. There's very few people that are still complaining about their cell phone bill. And it, and it wasn't the government coming in and saying, hey, wait a minute, we need uh, cell phone neutrality here. We need to make sure that we have uh, regulations that, that give people equal access to this. This is really important. It just didn't happen that way. And it I, doesn't, it, because that's not, like regulations happen after a market is stabilized and you can see results from it. And start judging on whether you know there, whether a bigger hand needs to be applied to make sure that you know our cars are safe. You know that we don't have metal dashboards that split our forehead in, in half when we rear end somebody anymore. You know, and and if you start regulating during the growing process, you're going to end up with some mutated product. I don't know, but. It, yeah, I, you know, I think we said they, you enough can't, on this. Something can't grow if you're restricting it constantly. Yeah. So, let's speaking of monopolies, let's look at Disney. They now own Fun. Disney has officially bought, <laughs> copyrighted, and trademarked Fun. Next, yes. next, yes. Uh, it, next time you laugh, the, you owe Disney a nickel. Because of their yeah. acquisition of, of Fox Studios and part of Fox Sports, you didn't hear that they also acquired the rights to all your favorite porn tube sites and flashlight. So yes, you can't even <laughs> you can't even jerk off without the mouse's permission at this point. You can't laugh without paying Disney anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I masturbated. So they, trademark Disney. Yes. <laughs> so Disney has put in a bid to buy a huge chunk. Just about all the movie and, and TV products that, that Fox produces. And this is kind of a, a big deal and is going to take a while to flesh out. I uh, read a story today that said it could easily take 12 to 18 months just for them to finalize this deal. Well, it all, doesn't it also have to go through, uh, was it, the antitrust yes. oversight the committee or some shit? The government is going to have to take a look at it and decide if this makes uh, Disney an unfair competitor closing in on a monopoly in the entertainment industry. Um, Maybe? I mean, you know, yeah, it's kind of interesting because as much as they're swallowing up all these known properties that everybody has a lot of attachment to... If we're talking about competition, well, the definition of what Disney's competition is has expanded greatly because, I mean, Netflix is their competition now. And it's more than just, do I decide to go out and pay $10 to see a movie or just stay in and watch Netflix 
on the $10 for that month that I've already paid in. It's about what does Disney want to do in the future? They, they see the Netflix model as definitely a successful one and they want to have the content to go up against Netflix. And that's what this acquisition is about. So, you know, I, I don't think that if you, if you're worried about Disney becoming a monopoly, it's not going to mean that less independent movies are made, that other studios are, are making less movies because all of them are being made by Disney. No. I mean, they have a, they're starting to corner the market on what we've broadly identified as genre movies and TV shows, basically anything related to horror, superheroes, fantasy, sci-fi, what have you. But that's still, it's, that's still a subsection of the movie market in general, right? So I don't know that this... I, well, first of all, I don't think that the government is going to shut this down. This is going to go through. I mean, there's a reason why you know, people like Bob Iger the CEO of Disney, has paid a lot of money to Trump and other Republicans' campaigns. He wants them to look out for his interests. And that's going to happen in this case. There may be a big show of, of, of concern over Disney possibly being too big for its britches, but ultimately this is going to go through. They're going to own part of the Simpsons? They're going to... Yeah... <laughs> I was th- talking about this at work today. I was like, they're going to be able to make the most insane Kingdom Hearts game ever. <laughs> It'll be... I mean, they already have all their Disney stuff, Star Wars, Marvel. Now they can incorporate S- Simpsons, uh, Avatar, Aliens, um, the X-Files. What else? I know there's others that I'm missing, too. say Star Wars? Yeah, this is Star Wars. See, that's a good point. I, I think because Star Wars is such one of the such a huge franchise, obviously, as we sit on the eve of the latest movie being released. Um, yep, I, think I already bought getting, my ticket. Oh fuck! Is this going to be one of the movies I gotta go see in the theater so we can talk about it next week? It's getting rave reviews. Can I get Can I get a write off on this? Jesus. <laughs> but anyways yeah, bring me a receipt I'll give you the money I'll write um, that bitch off when I do my taxes in a month or so oh you just guaranteed I'm going to the imagine now shit <laughs> but no uh, upgrade me to 4D yeah no, no shit um, <laughs> no I want the jumbo size my foot's gonna fall off the minute I finish it drink and the oh my god I can't finish all that popcorn <laughs> That's the size. That's, I want that plan. Uh, yeah, can I have the heart, heart attack and diabetes combo, please? <laughs> yes. That sounds like a good time to me. Um, yeah, we're, it, not, we're legally not allowed to sell this to anyone over 45. Uh, Pre- Predator and Alien, them now owning. Like, oh. those type franchises, I, I'm, not, I'm not... I don't know how geeked I am for them owning those type franchises because... Mm-hmm. Disney really doesn't do horror well. If you've ever been to Disney World in Florida, the Haunted Mansion ain't all that haunted. (laughs) That's that's interesting. The next alien ends with Ripley and the the alien just hugging it out. Yeah, skipping off to Epcot Center and shit. I mean, no, I don't want to see that. I think we're... 
I think we're seeing a different Disney though than the ones that we the the Disney that we grew up with. You know, Disney used to have a specific meaning in entertainment that was family. If Disney put their name on something, anyone in the family can go. Nobody's going to be freaked out by anything. And they hung their hat on that for decades. And I don't I don't think that that's the same Disney. Like sure, I don't think that the main you know, a Disney animated picture, what that entails isn't going to change any. But in the same way that ultimately Disney is buying up they're they're buying up uh uh um oh, what's the term? Licenses. Uh, they're buying up characters, they're buying up known products. Properties, yeah. Properties, yes. I think that's the word I was looking for. They're buying these properties that are known to have a certain value to them, and that's what they want out of it. Um, there was Bob Iger was quoted as saying that uh, Disney acquiring Deadpool doesn't necessarily mean that that will change. Uh, that, that means that there won't be any more R-rated Deadpool movies. They didn't necessarily say that it, that they're not going to go that route. <laughs> But if you believe that they acquired Fox in order to make more money, then why would they fuck with a film that was made for, I don't know, 100, maybe less, million dollars, and made over 800 million? Regardless of the fact that, you know, if Disney produced that film, there's no way that Deadpool would be cutting off somebody's head and punting it like a football. But it's already been established that, well, that's what... That's what Deadpool is, right? That's what that's why people came out to see it. And when they acquired Star Wars, I did, nothing is the reason that uh, the current crop of Star Wars movies are successful is because they are Star Wars movies. They are not Disneyfied versions. Why well, could uh, no, no no more than Star Wars has ever been? I. I, I won't Dis- say Disneyfied. I, I'll say Disney did something that I don't think it ever crossed Lucas's mind to do, which is Disney tends to cater to the uh, what do you call it D- diversity crowd. I mean, even if you look at the prequels, it's you know it's not that diverse. You know, you look at Rogue One. That was a fucking rogues gallery of just uh, every nationality and accent you could throw in there. I think and that's, I think that's just just more of the sign of the times than Disney putting their thumb on the scale when it comes to putting together a cast for a movie. Oh, don't do, do not get me wrong. Do not, I mean, I'm not criticizing that. Oh, no, I hear you. What I'm saying oh, no, is, absolutely. I just think Disney's much more aware of diversity than someone like Lucas would be, and not. And I don't think Lucas is like you know. George Lucas likes money, obviously. I don't think he's like fuck them darkies. I don't want their dollars. I, he'll take anybody's money if you're giving it to him. I just think Disney, because they're a business, and it's not now. Star Wars is coming from a a corporate. It's it's a corporate owned property, and it's not necessarily as much of a brainchild of of one man and a handful of people that are close to him. Mm-hmm. I think since there's more cooks in the kitchen, you're going to get more variety in the food. Is what I'm getting at. 
And I, I think that will be the stamp Disney leaves on Star Wars. And I don't think, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, I remember as a kid, I was always thinking, why the fuck, why aren't there female, like, pilots during the, the space battles and stuff? I mean, Someone's Leia's a, Princess Leia is a general. Now. No, no, I'm, no, I, it, <laughs> she's a general. How the fuck did you get to be a general if you never fought? What part of the military? Did, oh, you the dishwasher in charge? I mean, what, what the fuck were you doing to be a general? I swear to God, I remember thinking that is, I mean, uh, I didn't sit there and, you know, start a movement about it, go make, like, Princess Leia pussy hats and shit and go march on Washington, but I, it did strike, it did cross my mind. And believe me, <laughs> I, now they got female stormtroopers, and I'm like, how the fuck? <laughs> I thought they were all clones, but whatever, all right. Yeah, aren't they all clones of Django Fett? Well, I, I guess, I, and apparently Finn, Django Fett, eh, must have had a must have had a, a darker relative than even him in the in the in the in his family tree somewhere because Finn is looks nothing like Django Fett. So, but no, I mean, I, all jokes aside and, and stuff, I, I I'm not worried about Star Wars with Disney. I'm not worried about Marvel. They've proven they can handle Marvel. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm sure there's some DC you know, fans that are like, Disney, can you buy DC too? <laughs> well, I think, you know, Marvel's a better example than Star Wars, though, of, of what, the point that I was trying to make. Because Star Wars, they had to come in and kind of restart this engine. Whereas Marvel established itself as a movie, as, as a, a viable movie the, uh, not theater uh, a production company, and then was bought out by Disney, right? Disney didn't come in and buy out Marvel properties and then make Iron Man. They made Iron Man. They made uh, the Hulk movie with Universal Pictures and, and started Thor, didn't they? And and Thor and started laying out this plan for this whole universe. And Disney saw that and said, "Yeah, that's something that we want a piece of. That's something we fact, didn't. Pre- we, we want didn't, all of it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't had nothing to do with creating this, but we'll buy it and cash in on it. Sure." And, you know, I don't think that's, who knows how much that's changed what the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe looks like. I would like to think very little because it seems like there's, there's a, a cohesiveness. There's not, there was no hiccup in, in the Marvel Universe when Disney bought it. They didn't want a hiccup. And they're like, we see this going somewhere big and we just want to get in on, on the ground floor of it. I, shit. I mean, I'd go so far as to say, in the current generation of the Marvel Universe, Cinematic Universe, the only thing close to a hiccup they had was Iron Man 2, period. Right. They've been pretty consistent all the way through. I mean, you know, with Iron Man being right, the but, low but point, like, Iron Man 2 being the low point is what I'm saying. Well, sure. I mean, th- there may have been creative missteps here and there. But as far as, you know, the, there wasn't a point where they said, okay, now, now that you're a Disney property, we have to stop and refocus what we, what we want to do. They didn't try to, they didn't acquire it with the intention of, of changing the, the direction. So I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I think that as we see Disney expand as a company, I think they're understanding that there can be divisions, whereas, Everything that was Disney was just Disney, right? Even when they uh, acquired Pixar, uh, they they acquired it because, well, first of all, because it kind of lined up with what they, you know, already did. Pixar was just doing the Disney thing 
better at the time, and that's why they acquired it. That was an easy fit. But now that they own so many different properties, I think they can feel like they can they can still have their squeaky clean family entertainment Disney brand and understand that there's other brands that they own that aren't family friendly and that's fine there's still an audience for that you know there's certain things that i mean we're probably not going to see any of the crop of x-men make its way into the marvel universe outside of possibly deadpool deadpool is the only thing that's currently established that fox has done with a, a uh uh a comic book property that has a future because I mean they didn't figure out Logan until they were pretty much done. That that they will. That's the only thing that that's previously established that they will want to continue on. Everything else they kind of have to rebuild from scratch anyway. So who knows? Well, I guess only time is going to tell on this. As a fan, like putting aside any concerns for how big Disney is getting as a company, and how much of uh, the, my own personal childhood they may own that I think it's just if they if they get Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles and that's it like I don't I don't think there's anything left <laughs> there you go man Transformers <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's right Transformers I well I, I mean so, I think the so Transformers a, movies and the G.I. Joe movies pretty much killed those franchises yeah for this generation it's gonna have to be another 5-10 years where they reboot them yeah but but putting all that aside, you know, there's definitely part of me that is very hopeful for a really good Fantastic Four movie because that's what this ultimately. I mean, as, and as much as I love the X Men and want to see them done right, and I am excited to, at the possibility of them existing in the same universe as all the the other Marvel heroes, the Fantastic Four has been the most heartbreaking one because as an adult and going back and and reading about the history of Marvel comics, reading older Marvel comics, stuff that was put out before I was born, you know, I have, I have a path as a fan that starts out and heavily is entrenched in the X-Men. That was my X-Men and the new mutants. That was my, my uh, entrance into the world of comic books and then there'll always be something central to there. Aaron, just go ahead but and let your inner downriver guy hang out, hang out, and say that's your shit. That's my shit. <laughs> it's or, as ghetto as he gets, folks. Or as uh, well, the kids now they say ride or die. I'm ride or die on the X Men. <laughs> but as a fan of Marvel comics in general and the whole history of these heroes and, and the, the bigger story, I mean, the Fantastic Four are right at the, the, I mean, the X-Men were anomaly. X-Men were the freaks that, that, uh, you know, gained some traction. Fantastic Four is the core of the Marvel universe. And it's been kind of bizarre to have them just, not even be dramatically killed off, just kind of go away. You know, it didn't happen all at once. And there was definitely a corporate directive to say, hey, we're not so concerned about properties that we can't develop into movies. Oh, definitely. But, you know, eventually, and they weren't big selling comic books anyways, for whatever reason. And that definitely has something to do with it. But eventually the Fantastic Four comic books went away. And even though those characters 
were central to like uh, the last like big well not the last big line of this last one was Secret Wars but the one before that or no the last one was uh, uh, Secret Empire it was Secret Wars before that Secret Wars all kind of revolved around the Fantastic Four it was they were central to the development of the story and to how everything played out in there but that was also kind of the 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 swan song for the Fantastic Four. They've been kind of spotty in the comic books as characters over the last two years, and there's been no Fantastic Four book. There's been no sign of actually uh, Mr. Fantastic or Sue Storm in the Marvel Universe. And, yeah, I guess it's just... It feels like this... this Gap this hole that was left in in Marvel in general that can that can now come back home. I mean, maybe like even even if even if they Marvel makes a Fantastic Four movie and it sucks as bad as the ones Fox were doing, at least they are going to be you know back where they belong in the comic books. Is that's ultimately what I'm concerned as much as I love all these movies you know I, I am a fan of I'm a fan of comic books in general but let's face it you can tell if you look through my collection it's more Marvel than anything else so yeah there's a there's a kind of a, a homecoming feeling that that I feel hopeful for in this maybe I'm just getting my hopes out to be dashed by corporate greed like they usually are Disney will fuck me in the long run after I give them hundreds more of my dollars. <laughs> well, Michael Bay is going to direct all the Star Wars movies till the end of time. <laughs> no, that's J.J. Abrams. I think they contracted him for the next 20. Uh, I'm, I'm with you up until... Uh, I, I think that they're going to finish this this last phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and now when they reboot it, not only are they going to find new actors to play these roles, but I think it's going to be a reboot to where they're going to bring in the X-Men, Fantastic Four, and, oh, it's yeah. going to be, and it's going to be a shared universe just like it is in the comic books. And I, I, and, and, I mean, I, I, I'm... The minute I heard about this, I'm like, okay, how long until they they start talking about mutants on uh, Agents of Shield? Because they couldn't use you know the word mutant. They had to use what, what was right. it? Uh, some something else, but Inhumans, right? Inhu- yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that went over like a turd in a punch bowl. I is that is that even still on, or was that a Netflix show? Or something. Uh, Inhumans didn't do too well. It was a limited series, but there's still Inhumans in general, as a I guess species, are still central to the Agents of Shield story. Okay. But you uh, know, Inhumans are Inhumans have just as deep a history with the Marvel universe as as mutants do. They just didn't catch on in the same way. And when uh, Marvel realized that they by giving away the rights to all to mutants in general, uh, it dried up a spring that they were, had been tapping for decades in order to create new characters. You know, you didn't have to come up with some crazy origin story anymore. You're, it's like I don't know. They hit puberty and they got powers. You know, 
and the mutants just started popping up everywhere. Every time you need an extra character for something, oh, they're a mutant. So in, when they didn't have that to draw from anymore, they went with the Inhumans, saying, well, this is basically the same thing. You know, there's some process that they can't control that just mysteriously happens to them, and they turn into somebody with powers. But, I mean, you can't... That, that's like trying to take the, the core elements of what uh, uh, of what the X-Men are and try and just recreate that. You know, I can make a movie about somebody, not call them mutants, but just say that they're born with powers that, that uh, come out when they hit puberty and I won't be breaking any trademark laws or anything, but nobody's going to fucking see it because it doesn't have Professor X in it or Wolverine or Classis or Storm or whoever the fuck my favorite character is because that's ultimately what it is. <laughs> It's not that you've got some unique ideas for what people with powers would look like. No, you have properties. You have known quantities. So that was, I mean, their failure on, the, on Inhumans is that it never caught on in the first place. There well, I mean, no well, there was no well to go back and tap. I mean, overall... I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm fairly geeked for Disney picking up the rights to the, you know, the Marvel stuff. Uh, I hope that because I, I mean, I mean, it was like a month ago we talked about the new Predator movie. Uh, you know, Shane Black's writing it. I can't remember, but it was a director we all, you know, well, I think you and I knew, and you know, we were like, yeah, sounds like it's going to be a, you know, good movie. I just hope Disney is intelligent enough to go, all right. For things already in motion, keep your fingers out of it until need be. You know, don't go in and start and start saying, you know, don't start trying to trying to tell the cook what what ingredients to put in his fucking food unless he turns to you and goes, I don't know what to do next. That's what that's what I hope Disney does as far as that. But I mean, overall, I I'm excited for it because yeah, I. I didn't know the inner workings of who owned what when the first X-Men movie came out. But when Fantastic Four came out, it became pretty clear to me at that point that, oh, they're not going to have crossovers here. This isn't going to be a shared universe type situation. And I was bummed out. And that's, honestly, growing up, Iron Man, fairly interested in. Captain America, eh, give or take. It was always depending on who was writing and who was doing the art. For me, yeah. whether I was into Captain America and the rest of the Avengers, I could not have gave a fuck less about. I mean, to me, it was like you had Avengers on the East Coast who I ignored, and you had Avengers on the West Coast who I ignored. Those were the two <laughs> comics, and, and I was just like, whatever. But once I saw what they were doing, I was like, all right, I can get down with this. So I think they've earned enough. They've earned enough, uh, you know, leeway for from the, from this half-ass fanboy to go, all right. I'll trust you until you give me a reason not to. Right. I do think the interesting part of this is, and this is, Chris, you'll understand why this is interesting. They picked up a lot of Fox Sports local affiliates with this deal also. So that means that they have rights to broadcast a lot of basketball games. They picked up the Yes Network and uh, NESN Network, too. So they have Yankees. Red Sox, that's huge. Uh, I'm assuming they, sports. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically. I mean, and and for me, on ESPN. For me, the interesting, the real interesting part is, with all those local affiliates they pick up, that means they pick up the rights to broadcast. I think it's fifteen NHL teams. So, Disney has already fucking. I mean, they rolled the dice in the nineties on hockey with the with the Mighty Ducks movies, which were horrible. Now that I watch them as an adult, but whatever. And so, I mean, they'll take a chance. I'm wondering if now they're going to fucking use ABC, et cetera, et cetera, to kind of try to push hockey out to the forefront. Oh, if they buy the NHL. Yeah. As long but as they know, fire Batman, <laughs> I'm good with it. <laughs> I think the the bigger picture to look at here is the fact that Disney wants to grow as a company, right? And in order to do that, it's going to have to provide different types of entertainment. That They understand that there's markets outside of family-friendly entertainment, clearly, that need to be serviced. So okay, I draw the line at Disney-owned porn. <laughs> That's it. Sorry, I don't want to see Ariel getting gang-banged by the Blacks on Blondes guys. I just don't want to see it. Oh. I'm, I'm good. Well, stay off of 4chan then. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, I might have already saw it. So, yeah, it's, maybe that's just sound advice anyways. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, I know one thing I wanted to bring up real quick. Uh, yes. Because I think every, every year around this time, we've done this. Uh, the 2018 inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They come out, and do you guys know who they inducted? Fucking that poodle-haired motherfucker from New Jersey is the leading vote-getter. I know that. Uh, obviously, Bon Jovi. Yeah, you got Bon Jovi, The Cars, Dire Straits, Moody Blues, Nina Simone, and Sister Rosetta Tharp. Uh, <sighs> to me, the only band in there that actually has actually really any influence... Oh wait! Th- these are the, they've dis- these are the What's decisions the on who's getting. Yeah, this is who's yeah, going yeah, in. Yeah, this is who's going in. Yeah, right. Because I mean, I think we talked about on the Weedsmen the the list of nominees. Yes, the actual inductees. Okay, the cars. Yeah, um, Dire Straits. I I don't know how you can argue with that. I mean, uh, influence. Yeah, a decent amount of uh, of hit songs and yep. a hell of a lot of technical ability. But they didn't have that much of an influence. They kind of sounded like everything that came out when they came out. Dire Straits? Uh, no, no. Seriously, you think I that? I think you have to... If you've never listened beyond any of the radio hits the Dire Straits, I think you're missing out on on quite a bit. I mean, I, I um, think when I think of Mark Lova, Loeffler, Lova over Gold is is like kind of a it's like a concept album. Well, I mean, I mean when I when I think of Mark Knopfler playing guitar in, in Dire Straits, yeah, I think of what would to me that his guitar playing in that band sounds like what Chet Atkins would have done in a rock band. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think what Mark Knopfler's Mark Knopfler's style of playing guitar is as influential as what bands like Steely Dan were doing, and the types of of different musical influences that they were incorporating into their personal style. But if you want to talk about influence, just look at Mark Knopfler's guitar tone 
and then listen to everything that came after it that hit the radio. He made the sound of a clean Strat sound glorious, and everybody else tried to reproduce it. He did to guitar tone what Phil Collins and his engineer did to drums. And which is ironic because what's his most famous riff? It's mo- his most famous riff's "Money for Nothing," and that's him on a Les Paul, which is <laughs> right. the exact but, o- through a Marshall, which is the exact opposite of what he always played through. But you know the the lick that always goes through my head when I think Mark Knopfler is is just "Salt and the Swing," which is that tone that I'm talking about. But oh yeah, I, I well, see well, point. it's for me. It's uh, oh shit, so far away. Yeah. That, which is pretty much oh, the same. Oh God, thing. I love that song. Okay, oh. so I think Dire Straits, yeah, and the Cars. I think those are both perfect examples of bands that were, you know, not only produced hits but were influential in what Man, they were I, doing. I just real quick, I just want to say, I think the Cars are criminally overlooked. Yeah, I was saying, I think they're the Cars to me fall into the the category of they're not already in. Yeah. I mean, the cars, to me, are the bridge between glam and new wave because they're, 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 they're 70s incarnation. They kind of almost had that, like, David Bowie shag haircut mixed with, like, New York dolls, like, dressing crazy and shit. Yeah. And they, then... They, did, they straddled the line, definitely. Yeah, and then, you know, then the MTV era, you know, fucking forget it. And I, one of the, I, it's hard for me to think of a band who profited more from early MTV than the Cars. I really can't. ZZ Top, maybe. I mean, it's like they, there's, there's two Cars. There's pre-MTV and there's post-MTV. Just like there's two ZZ Tops. There's pre-MTV and there's post-MTV. But it's still, well, I would say- unlike ZZ Top, I actually like a lot of their post-MTV stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, in the same way that Mark Knopfler set a standard for guitar tone, Rico Kasich set a standard for just the tone of a pop song in general. And there's something, uh, I guess the Cars were a good example of how to incorporate technology into the way that you make music appropriately. You know, as as te- we saw over the course of the 70s, uh technology in recording progress immensely and a lot of people took advantage of that to make these bigger crazier layered pieces that you know hey we can use 24 tracks we can use 48 tracks let's fill them up you know let's do a couple more guitar overdubs fuck it let's keep layering the vocals and in the same way with like synthesizers and drum machines they're like oh well there's no, we don't have to pay any musicians. We just program all this shit, and we can just layer it up with lots of synths and drum sounds. I'm just picturing and someone it, it, in the it, it, 80s hitting an 808 going, it sounds just like a real drum set. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it doesn't, but okay. <laughs> right. But I think that uh, the Cars are an example of a band that was able to say, okay, you know, like we like a lot of these you know, cleaner, more present sounds that you can get from modern recording techniques and close miking and and isolation and we like 
some of these sounds that that people are getting with synthesizers and drum machines. But how does that all service the song? Right? It was all these all these additions to technology that were taken advantage of by bands like the Cars. Uh, you know, the the bands that that survived that weren't just hopping on some bandwagon. They were saying, well, "That's great." It doesn't change my starting point from being like a decent song structure and a good melody that that sticks with you. So how do we incorporate all that into what we're doing? And as far as production value, I mean, outside of that speaking volumes in the number of Cars hits, and I'm sure they still make plenty of music, or plenty of uh, money off of that music library, but Rick Ocasek is still making hit records for people. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, just for Weezer, Weezer. Yeah. Yep. The, the the green one, too. He did the blue one and the green one. Yep. Like, I mean, and what are those albums, like 20 years old or more now? Like the blue album? Yeah, the blue one's 1994. Yeah. That album's yeah. about to be 25 years old. People still listen to that shit, and it still sounds like a modern rock record. There's nothing 90s or dated about that. It has a kind of timeless quality to it. There's a, there's a, a, it dates itself in its song structure, I would say, more than the production itself. You know, I mean, I, re- I love the Blue Album, but I remember hearing it and being like, this is a good album, but, you know, there's a lot of Pixies in there. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of Pixies in a there's lot a of lot shit of- in the early 90s, man. Come on. Right. Nirvana yeah, wouldn't but I, have a career but, uh, if it wasn't for the Pixies. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> everyone was freaking out, like, I've never heard anything like Nirvana. I'm like, you've never listened to the fucking Pixies. And even Kurt Cobain <laughs> says that. Like, <laughs> well, okay, so just to get off the, to, to move on to the others, Moody Blues, okay. I have yeah. no problem with the hits of the Moody Blues. They're just, they've been staples of classic rock radio since I was drawing breath. But I can only name, like, Ride my seesaw, nights in white satin, and that I can't even name the song, but I can I, I know it. It's a, they had a, a a hit with it in the eighties. I don't know any other movie. All the streams. Thank yeah. you. What about question? You know question? If I heard it, maybe I would, but I, I not off the top of my head. No. Moody no, Blues I, just seems like it, it it gets in because people just don't know who they are. See someone and. Someone on another podcast a, made a made a, a, a case for him by saying they think that they were pretty much at the tip of the spear of the prog rock that brought. I was about, just like, about to say the Moody Blues are the first band to sound like they sounded. That's probably really? why. You know, like if it wasn't for okay. them, you wouldn't have the Alan Parsons Project. You wouldn't have King. I mean, King Crimson. I. Th- I mean, they're contemporaries of the Moody Blues, but they definitely. He, when he made the on the podcast I was listening to, when they made the case of King Crimson, I was like, I think that's more Robert Fripp's brain brainchild than yeah. he heard the Moody Blues and started King Crimson. I don't think it worked right. that way, but I can I can kind of see it. But I mean, I were they? I mean, I I don't know much about them, so I'm just going to throw it out there and ask you guys: Were they huge back in their day, or were they just like one hit wonders? Who kind of came back and had another hit? Well, they were bigger uh, in England than they were bigger here. I think they were pretty big. Well, look, 
if the if my parents bought a record by him, they had to have been pretty big. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, we're talking, like my my parents' record collection was influential on me, but that's because that's what was available. And they had enough records to fit in a cabinet underneath the record player. I can't imagine Damn. living with that li- limited amount of musical resources at my fingertips, but you know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I I think they own they own probably less than eighty records and multiple Carly Simon albums. <laughs> <laughs> so if the Moody Blues got in there, they must have been pretty big. Gotcha. Okay, now this one's weird for me because obviously I know who Nina Simone is. Uh, yes, but there's like I, I, I've I've picked up kind of a like a, I don't want to say backlash or blowback, but almost like a a like people are like oh god really Nina Simone, and I'm is this one of those things because I don't know her personal story was she a controversial figure in her time or something because it seems like there's people who are just not happy with her being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I mean, it's well, not some for the... kind of uh, Jane Fonda residual grudge yeah, I, type kind of thing of, or something? Kind of, yeah. And I mean, I'm going, like, I, I you know, I, I went through the mental oh. rolodex of all the music of hers I've heard. Oh, found your answer. What, what? What's up? Wikipedia, American singer, songwriter, pianist, arranger, and activist in the civil rights movement. Okay. See, I was going to so say... I think there's a... Pr- whether whether it's whether it's true racism or not, I mean, it can just be go under the umbrella of well, you know, this is just another musician who thinks that they know politics. Yeah, because I was going through the mental rolodex of her music that I know, and I'm like, none of it is. I mean, we're not talking. This isn't Public Enemy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this isn't like yeah. going out on a limb politically type music that I you know. So I, I was just wondering on that one. Um, and then yeah, the last one, Sister Rosetta Tharp. Now that's that's, that's a fu- do, you, do you guys know who she is? I know who she is, but I'm ignorant of most of her material. I confess. Yeah, um, well, it's funny because it's been like in the last two years, I've been seeing a lot of her old videos being posted by people because there was a real and it, and it and there was always commentary with their videos when they would post them. They would you know she's one of the overlooked pioneers of rock and roll and uh, the most famous video i could think of of her she's playing a uh uh a three pickup les paul custom and it's like an old black and white video and she's doing you know 50 style rock and roll and apparently this is even like pre-chuck berry Mm -hmm. and so i i get the feeling that like somebody in her camp was like hey we need to get kind of that grassroots Let's let's bring her into the public consciousness, um, and then of course you know I, I through looking up and reading up on her, apparently she was uh, a lesbian, which was I mean I can't, I can't imagine one being in the public eye as a female playing rock and roll and being one of the first to do it and being openly gay back in the fifties. I mean that had to be like all types of scandalous back then, but I mean still. Yeah. It's not oh, yeah. like she has black, a body black, of work. Hey, black black lesbian playing the guitar, like she just she just <laughs> asked. Man, for she trouble, didn't want I anyone guess. to accept her. <laughs> right. 
No, I mean, dude, straight up. And when we talk into it, dude, when the the one video that I'm that just sticks out in my head, it's the it's the Les Paul when they went to the uh, the double cutaway with the three pickups. Mm-hmm. And it's just strange to see someone in the 50s playing one of those, let alone a black woman playing rock and roll. And she's dressed like every like every stereotypical old black woman that goes to church I've ever seen. Like, seriously, <laughs> she's got a church crown on, and she's just jamming. And I'm like, oh, all right, all right. But, no, I think oh, yeah. that's more of a... That's more of a, a, and it says she was she's inducted under the uh, early influences. So obviously they they understood this is going to be more of like a nod to her what she did as far as being a pioneer and, and all that. And so I mean, I more so than her body of work, I guess. Does that make any sense? Yeah, but I mean, I guess it points out the the flaw in the whole rock and roll Hall of Fame system in general. I mean. If this was really just about rock and roll, then you would have started at the beginning and built your way up. But well, you know, I, instead, we get we get Sister Rosetta Tharp at the same time we get Bon Jovi. Yeah. Which, <laughs> well, I mean, why is his name even near? Okay, hold he on. He didn't do nothing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. To me, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's always been a bunch of different rooms. You have the 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 pop stars who you knew were going to get in the big sellers you had the critical darlings you had the underground people and then you had the people ninety percent of people were like who the fuck is that like a recording engineer or something that they would they would put in at least they used to they used to put in recording engineers people like that Bon Jovi just on their record sales you knew they were going in at some point I mean come on now. I, how could they fuck they let kiss in i mean yeah i guess i will make an argument all day that bon jovi brought more to the musical world than kiss ever has oh bon jovi but they both did the same thing all they did was make the the same music that everyone was making at the time they just sold they just moved a lot of units yeah but you also gotta and this is i'm like well i'm 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 gonna say i'm out on a limb on this 1987 video music awards John Bon Jovi, Richie Sambora, two acoustic guitars, wanted dead or alive. There's your birth of MTV Unplugged. MTV had never thought to do that show until that performance, and it became such a heavily requested performance that it was on dial MTV from people calling in requesting to see it. And that's when they said, fuck it, we need to do a half-hour all-acoustic show and get people who normally never touch acoustic guitars to come in here and do it. Yeah. So, so, I mean, if you want to do... That's an interesting that's, point, because, I mean, I, there, were, there were performances that uh, I remember I had to record on my VCR the cure on Unplugged and then figure out a way to hook up the you know all this stuff that my dad had bought, the VCR and the tape recorder and all this shit. I had to hook it up so I could record the, the audio off the VCR into the tape machine yep. so that I could have a copy of that unplugged performance to listen to the same way I had all my other Cure albums. Yep. Like, and and, by and the- there, there was plenty of that. I mean, even before they, they, they actually caught on to the fact that they could release those as performances, I think, you know, it was the... It wasn't until the uh, I think was maybe the Eric Clapton one. Oh, it was the Clapton one. Was the Clapton. big one? Yeah, 
Yeah, that they was had, the big one. The, the 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 three shows that went big right around the same time was Eric Clapton, the hip hop show they had where LL Cool J did. Uh, LL Cool J did. Mama said, "Knock you out with a full band," which 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 I loved. I loved it, but I did. I Aaron, go back and watch the video now, and you're gonna want to slap somebody for being as out of tune as they are. That's just, that's just all. It's like, is Keith Richards in this band? Someone tune that fucking right. guitar. Um, well, we have the roots now, so it's kind of hard to go back and look <laughs> and, and criticize. <laughs> um, and then, uh, oh shit, what was the other? It was an early. Oh, I carry. Yes, thank you. Because they released uh, albums of all three of those. Yeah. By the time Nirvana's Unplugged album came out, it. I think Clapton had won like every Grammy in the world that year for his Unplugged album because I, I was about to say something pretty bad about his kid, but whatever. What's the uh, Dead Kid album? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I, you know, I Bon Jovi. I, I get, I get the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is you're going to have the like the draw, the people that are popular. You got to have them in there. And obviously, they haven't limited it to, ju- to just rock and roll. But I mean, I know every year we do this, but there's just some glaring, like, really? Head scratchers in there. You have Tupac in there, but you don't have Dr. Dre. Yeah. The Cure aren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, Isn't Dr. Dre in as part of NWA? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, guess. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I guess, yeah. If N- yeah, NWA's in there. Um,. But yeah, it, it's just, it, and you listen to this other podcast, listen to them talk about it, they were like, you know, when it first started, it was easy, because you had 35, 40 years of rock and roll to cherry pick the best from. So the first five, ten years of, of inducting people was just, we got too many people to induct. Now it's starting, you know, the, 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 the herd's starting to thin, and it's like, yeah, but, you know, you got... Radiohead, how the fuck are they not in? You know, they get passed over. I mean, all right, I. It it it. In in this podcast, they were talking about. They were like, "There's a lot of politics behind the scenes." Yeah, and that's why a lot of the bands that get in get in so late. I mean, you know, the Cars. Obviously, I mean, dude, their first album was forty some years ago. You know why shouldn't they have been in before now? Took Black Sabbath till 2006. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about bands that are just getting in, Moody Blues, their first album was like, what, mid-60s? So, I mean, overall, I look at it like this. It's it's the same as every year. It's like, I just want to see the performances, maybe the acceptance speeches, and then I'll forget about it until this time next year when they introduce the next class. Right. I mean, because really, it ultimately doesn't matter. It, does it? I mean, yeah. Does it, if you've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, it's cool to go and check out all the shit. I mean, you know, when I went, you walked in and there was Muddy Waters Telly right there. I mean, right as you walked in, and I walked up and I'm looking at it through like you know an inch of glass, and I can see a hair stuck in one of the springs on the Telly's fucking bridge, and I'm like, like oh, Muddy Waters. Yeah, that, that play got pulled off of Muddy Waters' hand while he was playing this fucking telly. That's fucking crazy. But that's yeah. music nerd shit. You know, to me, the whole 
pageantry of the the show and the, the induction is it's always been about the performances and stuff. I mean, I, shit, are, are the cars even still together? They're not even all still alive. Yeah. Benjamin Orr died like fucking 15 years ago. Okay, I, I knew, I, I, I had a feeling one of them died, but yeah, that was the bass player, right? Dude who was also the lead singer? Yes. Yeah, so, well, that's going to kind of put a damper on that. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know, man, it's just, it, it seems kind of like, The Cars, Dire Straits, I like both those bands. I hate to admit this, Bon Jovi does have a few songs, I don't mind. But listening back to songs being played, wow, a lot of that shit's dated. That 80s production yeah. really locked everything into You know what decade that shit was released in. Yeah. And it, I mean, the others is just like, eh. Nina Simone and Rosetta Tharp, they're both dead. So it's not like you're going to see them perform. So Yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting and fun thing to track if you're a fan of music or a musician or anything like that. But... Yeah, there's a general understanding of it. it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, I mean I it doesn't even really mean anything for the bands themselves. Like, do you sell more records because you're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I mean, it might be an opportunity for you to get out there and perform and get your name out there where you wouldn't get any traction before because you're just an old act. But, but you know... I, yeah, I don't think the I don't. If you're a Bon Jovi fan right now, you're not going to go out and rebuy their entire discography because they're in a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? Like, oh, I gotta get, I gotta get the new, the you know, if you have all the CDs and you have all the digital downloads, what, what the fuck more do you need, you know? So I, that's 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 me assuming Bon Jovi fans aren't into vinyl. <laughs> because <laughs> so, I just don't see a lot of that, not outside that Young Guns picture disc I was going <laughs> to say yeah. now, now does that mean that that song is now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or is that just Bon Jovi by himself <laughs> I don't know <laughs> you know that makes me wonder if because you know who played guitar on that Plays of Glory song don't you no Jeff Beck Oh, okay. And it makes me wonder if Jeff Beck had a coke habit that he somehow hid from the public real well in the late 80s. Because why the fuck else would he even be in the same studio as John Bon Jovi? <laughs> it makes no Two sense. units, I, them performance royalties. I guess, man. Is, is Jeff Beck trying to be relevant in 1992? I, well, here's the thing. Jeff Beck's one of those people that... He's like Primus. You go to his shows, it's all guys, mostly music nerds. He's never going to starve from lack of places to play. He's just not playing, you know, four 20,000-seat arenas. He's playing, you know, 2,000-seat fucking hall, you know, halls and theaters at best. So I... Jeff Beck was the guitar player. All the dudes teaching us guitar when we were coming up loved. Yeah. Oh, dude, don't don't get it twisted. I, I had a few of his albums and was like, for tried for a split second to fuck around with a floating trim and finger picking, and was yeah. like, this ain't for me. <laughs> <laughs> that is way too much work. <laughs> Jeff Jeff's duck intonation. He that motherfucker has perfect pitch in his head. Yeah, 
And I mean, there's people that go, I got perfect pitch, and then you put them to the test, and you're like, no, you don't. Jeff Beck does. I'm not Jeff Beck, so <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a Jeff Beck fan music wise, but his influence his influence is undeniable. I I found after going through many different styles of picks, my one go to pick for playing any stringed instrument if I need a pick is the Jeff Beck pick, which is a jazz three little nubby red guy. Oh, Jesus, you're going back to the blow-by-blow blow days when he used the pick. Like, I, I don't think he's used the pick since the 80s now. Yeah, no, I know. He, I know that he just does the, uh, the finger style now. I mean, even oh. if you're not a guitar player, look up a, a recent video of Jeff Beck and watch his right hand when he's playing. Yeah. And it looks completely different than 99.9% of other electric guitar players' right hand when they play. Yeah, That's because together. Yeah, and he keeps the he keeps the the, the the trem arm hooked in his pinky, mm-hmm. and he can go up a half a step and a half, and he can go down a step and a half with his trem, and he's constantly using volume swells while holding the trem arm with his pinky. I mean, it's yeah. Right. It's well, some otherworldly shit, really. I think that's uh, you probably got that from bluegrass players. The, the the claw technique for playing banjo. Oh shit! Where, where yeah. I mean, they just they just fucking put their hand in a position, and all that is all from the wrist. They're just rocking that that hand in that one position back and forth to hit the strings. Yeah, and he he did put out a tribute album to a, a um. He was a, a, a scuffle. Was that what they called it in Britain? Skiffle. Skiffle. Yeah, and yeah. and then it had like it had some bluegrass like flavor. High, in it there. was like high energy folk. Yeah, like up tempo yeah. folk with the backbeat. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he he put some bluegrass stuff on there too, and I was like, whoa, all right. I, it just made me go, why do I even bother with this fucking thing? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Like, like there's 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 guys that are so good they make me want to go home and practice, and there's guys that are so good they make me want to go home and just give my guitar away and go here, just take it. Yeah. And even though I'm not a huge Beck fan, I, I put him in the. I, I'll never be able to do that. Just take this thing and get it away from me. All right. So on that note, we gotta wrap gotta this wrap bitch up. It. It's been the week of like four hour podcasts. Me and Rich quite the week so we'll just keep it short we wrap it up here and we'll thank everybody who's been listening figured out we got a bigger audience than we thought so thanks to everybody oh. who's been listening downloading all that stuff follow us on twitter at unregimented pod email the show unregimented at christophermedia.net like and share us on facebook catch you next week See all right later guys Or what does that mean?
If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.